0: me a go no go for launch just when you think you're out they pull you back in i was gonna say something that was not true
1: i i don't know why we do these let's make film history
0: we are go for launch
1: welcome back everybody
2: to the almost sideways podcast we are so glad you're joining us it is episode 147 we are recording this on Saturday, October 9th, 2021, at my clock just turned 8.30 p.m. Pacific time. I'm your host, Terry Pleknaut. Joining me are Todd Pleknaut and Zach Salts, and we're here to talk about movies. But, Todd, what the hell just happened? Nebraska <laughs> just lost to Michigan. That's why we're yeah. recording so late. We had to wait for the game to end. for Well, for the referees to decide how the game was going to end. Yeah, Impertinent same, same hand shit. signals.
0: Yeah, yeah, di- di- discon uh, Yeah, disconcerting signals. Yeah, that's what and, it was. Uh, a loose ball joint possession. That, yeah, that's some—I don't know.
1: That's some. And and, and joint swallowing joint your
2: possession. whistle when the quarterback has been held up at one in one spot for five seconds.
1: A loose and ball so... jo- joint possession sounds like what Russell Wilson has right now. Is that a real thing? <laughs>
2: yeah, that's more joint dislocation. <laughs>
0: that <laughs> uh, yeah, was ugly I mean but it's the same thing like okay so bringing up Steve again he texted me before the last drive he's like is, is Adrian Martinez capable of doing this and I was like well we just saw how what he's capable of when in this situation but if it was Taylor Martinez I would already be celebrating so you know that's how much faith I have in our quarterback
2: I mean I, I saw I that that was not on him The refs should have blown that dead
0: long before that ball came out. Hold on to the ball.
2: But when you have to ask the refs to, you know, actually distribute common sense throughout the game.
0: Yeah. But, you know, when when you're playing Michigan,
2: even at home when you're playing Michigan, you're not going to get any calls apparently. So when the Big Ten tweets out, what the hell is disconcerting signals? Yeah. You know it was a bad call. And that was like on a third down and it gave him a first down and continued a a, a, a scoring drive. Ridiculous. Any we're never going to get
0: the benefit of the doubt. I, I, like I said, we're, we're still the corn-headed stepchildren of the, of the Big Ten. We're never <laughs> going to get the benefit of the doubt.
1: The Any school step- that's been coached by Harbaugh should just die. Let's just not allow them anymore.
2: <laughs> uh, still so better from last week.
0: What was the what, New Hampshire? No, Rhode San Island. San Diego. What? San Diego. There you go.
2: <laughs> and then, and then Stanford.
0: Yeah, then Stanford, of course. Yeah.
2: The Duck Beaters. Uh, all right. I guess we should talk about movies now. Um. So yeah, we're we're just kind of flying by the seat of our pants here because we've been. At least Todd and I have been really invested in this game. Can we say
1: what Todd just said before the podcast? Todd announced to us that he's never been more unprepared for a podcast before. (laughs) That's the way to go into it. It's like Urban Meyer or something, you know? Just total total, (laughs) lots of preparation for this one. Uh, Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yep. Well,
2: make sure you're subscribing, rating, reviewing all over the internet to hear great debate and dialogue like this Oh, this is amazing this is this is going to be great high quality yeah uh these late night recording sessions are always fun anyways make sure you check us out uh all over apple podcast stitcher pandora spotify youtube subscribe rate review give us five stars all that fun stuff tell your friends all right i know we are but zach what are you drinking
1: (laughs) I'm having some uh, Oktoberfest from um, Free State Brewery out of LFK, which I also had last week. Very nice. Different Very bottle nice. this time, though.
2: Um, well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at least you're consistent. I like how you're consistently supporting those local breweries.
0: a uh, and just, really just the one. up against Alabama. Did they really? Well, I mean, they just scored a touchdown. But yeah, okay. they're have to, I don't know, three minutes left. All right. Anyway, I'm drinking a martini shaken,
1: not stirred. So yes, yeah. so that's, you, that's were, really the, all... you were really the only. You were going to be the only one that did that. So I'm glad. I'm glad you pulled one for the. Team. Well, I had to go buy vermouth today just so I could do it. So.
2: <laughs> uh. Well, I went to the. I went to the brewery, and I was. I will say this. I may, maybe if it's still around, I'll get some. I'll get some next week. But I was thinking of getting. They have um a beer. It's it's called like a green a green beer because it's made with fresh hops instead of dried hops and i tried it when i was there and at ridge walker and it is super 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 bitter like too bitter for me so i i went with an old standard that's one of my favorites which i'm glad i went with because you know i need some comfort drinking right now so this is the alluvian amber which is like the darkest amber ever and it's just good and rich and amazing
1: so so let me ask you something, Terry. Do they know you at the brewery? I mean, every week it's... I went to the brewery. I went to the brewery. You're like Grierson when he talks about it. I wrote an article for Mads, Mads, whatever publication he writes for. It's like every week it's the same thing. So they must know you by name, right? I, sometimes they do. It depends on who's working the
2: bar. Um, honestly, I'm only, I only go about half the time. It's, it's whoever in the house happens to be running the errands that day. So sometimes my wife goes... But pretty much if you go, if one of us goes and says we're picking up the podcast beer, they go, oh, you're the podcast people. So there, there at least is that. So they know that anything beyond that. I'm not too sure.
1: I think we should invite them on. And Steve, let's let's broaden out our horizons <laughs> a little bit. Uh, put a poster up in that brewery.
2: I, I should. I, I need to get like yeah. a sticker or something. Put it up in the window. There we go. All right. What have we been watching? I'll go first. Uh, So I had had my Oscar watch this week. Let's see if you guys can get it. It is going back 20 years. It was nominated for one Oscar and it was an acting Oscar. I am Sam. I am Sam is correct. I I
0: guess that last time that was a clue.
2: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Anyways. Yeah. I Am Sam. Yes. So this was written by Christine Johnson and Jesse Nelson, directed by Jesse Nelson. And it is Sean Penn uh, playing a mentally handicapped man who is fighting for custody of his seven-year-old daughter, played by Dakota Fanning. Um, and he is being uh, defended by, um, by Michelle, Michelle Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer. Wow. This movie... I don't know if there's another movie that could have possibly aged worse over the last 20 years than i am sam um i mean even even just seven years after it came out when tropic thunder referenced it and i'm not even going to say it but when tropic thunder references it and and sean penn's performance in this it was already aging badly but then you watch it now i mean it's just it, it it's Yeah, I I can't even see how this movie could exist in the current culture Uh, in the way it one in the way it treats and stereotypes so many different handicaps Two, in the way that they are uh, not just so in the script and then how they're actually portrayed by the actors. It's kind of appalling and offensive. Um, The only one that's even somewhat believable is Sean Penn. Um, but there's no way he plays this part today. I mean, I, I, I look at this and I'm like, this must've been how everybody thought when they saw music, that see a movie that was nominated for golden globes.
1: That's a great comparison.
2: Yeah. So, um, but Sean Penn is, is solid. Like I said, he wouldn't get a chance to play this now, but he does a decent job. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer is a mess and I don't necessarily think it's her fault, but her part is so horribly written. Um, and uh, where she's like this hotshot attorney that never loses, but is this neurotic mess at the same time. And it's just, yeah, it, it doesn't work at all. Uh, you have supporting uh, parts by Diane Wiest and Richard Schiff and Laura Dern, who are Okay. Uh, Dakota Fanning proves in this movie why she was like the only kid that could get a job for the next five to ten years because she's amazing in it. Um, yeah, so her and Sean Penn are the best parts, but it looking back on it now it's kind of laughably bad and I'm giving it one and a half stars I yeah, I I'm watching this I'm like how I mean even 20 years ago, how are they allowed to do this it.
1: Ooh. Yeah, it's pretty awful. And you didn't even mention the worst part of the movie, which is that uh, Sean Penn and his daughter have a mutual affection for the Beatles because that's real original. And the message of the movie is actually contained in the Beatles song. All you need is love. Did you understand that message, Terry? Like that is very subtle, nuanced writing, right? That the Beatles song is actually the message of the movie. And she's named for a song about Lucy in the sky with diamonds. Did he did he catch that? Was that I will. Enough? Say,
2: I will say uh, her name is one of the best parts of the of the whole movie. Her name is Lucy Diamond Dawson, and that's just a cool name. I like it.
1: Zach also gave us three stars, by the way. Yeah. Back well, I would never. I would never give it three stars again today. But
2: <laughs> without rewatching
1: m- watching it, it you're it, you're downgrading it. Yes. Listen, it's a mix of Kramer versus Kramer and Rainman, so two good movies that apparently one of which hasn't aged well. So you know.
2: One of his friends is literally doing a rain man ripoff. Like like he, he is, he is doing rain man in this movie and, and okay, there's no way. And, and this is just, there's no way Sam raises that kid to the age of seven with the way, with his, his capabilities. There is no way. And, 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 and just the, yeah, it's, I don't know. There's so many things that
1: are wrong with that movie. Did you look up my review of it, Todd, or did you just know that I gave it three stars? I just I just
0: saw that on the website that you gave it three stars.
1: The official ratings. I think we need to publish to deep dive this movie. <laughs> no. I should rewatch it.
2: <laughs> you should rewatch it, but we're not deep diving it. I'll sign it to you next time I win trivia, maybe. Oh,
0: absolutely. Power rank the the the, the times that Zach most downgraded a movie without rewatching it. <laughs> all right todd you're next all right well i took a step back into the cager for prisoners of the ghost land uh, mm. from this year uh directed by sion sono where cage plays a guy who's just called hero and he's like this notorious outlaw he's, ta- he's taken out of prison by the governor of samurai town in japan because he wants him to go rescue his daughter played by Sophia butella from Ghostland, which is this like wasteland of where there's some like crazy people who like keep women as sex slaves they're just like savages the governor is played by bill mosley who's in a lot of these kinds of movies uh but he outfits hero with like this explosive device where he puts one on each arm one on each testicle and one on his neck that are gonna detonate if he tries to take off the suit or if he like takes too long to rescue her or if he like mistreats a woman in any way the movie is, it's pretty out there. I mean, and it kind of takes this like Japanese tale. It makes it sort of like this deranged Western (laughs) post-apocalyptic horror action movie, dystopian thrill ride kind of thing. It's really, really something else. Sono is sort of like a provocateur. Like a lot of his movies are about like gangs and like he's sort of a cult figure with like younger audiences in Japan. I'm a big fan of like Suicide Club and and I Saw Cold Fish as well. It's a good one. But he has a distinct like style that he works with and this is his first actual English language movie. It's better than like when most directors try to do their first English language movie, like the great wall or like my blueberry nights or the flowers of war or any of those like shitty, like American things. But the Sono style is on like full display here and hit the pairing with Nichols cage is like something of like a kind of a dream. Like he, he, he's able to like just let loose and like lower out a few like bitches. And like, you know, he's it's, it's not completely out of place. Cause it's, this movie is wacky as shit. And, um, but, uh, like it, it takes like samurai like mythology kind of stuff, but it looks like it's like Water World meets Mad Max with like the setup of Crank. And there's a little bit of Tarantino in there as well. Like, I bet Tarantino's a big fan of, of Sion Sono. The colors are crazy. There's some like really haunting flashbacks, things, and Cage is just nuts. He's in like full Wicker Man zone here. Like, it's not just over the top acting, but he's like almost out of body, fish out of water characterization that seems to fit. And he like, when, when, when he's like fighting people, he's like, ha, f- yeah, you know, like, I mean, and it's, just, it's, it's it's Nick Cage. I don't know. These kinds of movies are weird. And when you have like an American thrust into like this purely like Japanese story, I mean, it, 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 but it just goes for it. I, I have no idea why this was at Sundance earlier this year. I really wanted to see it then, but it was sold out like immediately, maybe for good reason, because I mean, it's batshit crazy, even more so than Willy's Wonderland. And I kind of like it. Cage is committed and I kind of want a sequel to this. I'm giving it three stars. Which puts the number 32 on the cager between Face Off and Lord of War. I would watch it again. I want another one.
2: I I love that this year Nick Cage went from pig to this. Like about as subtle as he could possibly be to about as insane as he could possibly be.
0: Absolutely. And Willy's Wonderland where he doesn't say a word, but yeah. you know, he yeah. fights robots.
2: Yeah. So so I heard I heard a story about Nick Cage. I was listening to uh Conan O'Brien's podcast and he had Seth Rogen on and they were talking about Seth Rogen's new book and one of the stories he tells in his book is uh about how Nick Cage uh he had t- he's had two pro- uh like professional meetings with Nick Cage. The first one he came in cuz he was going to be uh in Green Hornet with him and he like he was like this is what I want to do with the character and he did like this he was going to be like this guy from the Bahamas with this really bizarre accent.
0: I've heard about that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And he was like, no, that's, that's horrible. No, you're not doing that. You're not in the movie. And so then they're making another movie later on. And, uh, and Nick Cage asks for a meeting to see if he could be in it. And he comes in and he walks in and he says, so uh, that character in spring breakers, did you rip off my idea? <laughs> and and he says, and he's like, no, that wasn't your idea at all. And he goes, okay. And he walks out of the room. Like, he didn't even want the audition. He just wanted to know if they ripped off ripped him off in Spring Breakers.
0: That is beautiful.
2: There's Nick Cage for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right.
1: Zach. He's having a great year.
2: He is. He is.
1: Zach, what'd you watch? So uh, I did not watch a movie this week, but I did. I am five episodes into the new FX series Impeachment American Crime Story, Ooh. which uh, depicts the uh, Monica Lewinsky Bill Clinton scandal. I want to go on a tad di- digression before I get into the show. So what do you guys think about the new Venus and Serena Williams movie, King Richard? It looks terrible. I think it looks terrible, too. But everything I'm hearing is rave reviews. Well, I think what's hilarious about it is, like, we can't just get a straightforward biopic of Venus and Serena Williams because Will Smith's involved. It has to be about the father. Like, I mean, the the whole Another Richard probably douchebag character, by the way. Exactly. That's what I was going to say, too. Going off my theory last (laughs) week and others... I was thinking about that all week, by the way. I still can't think of a good (laughs) Richard out there. Um, Anyway, the reason I bring that up is because um, Impeachment American Crime Story... (laughs) Uh, You know, should be about Monica Lewinsky and and Bill Clinton, who in the show are played uh, by uh, Beanie Feldstein and uh, Clive Owen, respectively. But for whatever reason, the show has opted to make it more about... Uh, Sarah Paulson as Linda Tripp. Now maybe it's because it's a Ryan Murphy product. Maybe I was going to say it's Ryan Murphy it's, and it has, to be, it
2: has well, to be about Sarah Paulson. It has to be about Sarah Paulson. This is what he did in the
0: O.J.
1: thing. It wasn't about O.J. It was
0: about yep. the lawyer and the yep. in the the Gianni Versace thing. It wasn't about Versace. It was
1: about the
2: lawyer.
1: Yeah. Well, it's like I mean Her
2: name is Sarah Paulson.
1: Yeah, it, it, exactly. listen. I mean, they are making a. Re- is there? Uh, we know it's Oscar bait. Is this like Emmy bait to say that you know we want Sarah Paulson nominated? Let's have her multi- uh, nominated for multiple Emmys for for this series or something like that. Like they they are they are leaning in hard into that in this show, and I mean yeah. I get it. Like Linda Tripp was a big part. Of the scandal. But you know what's sort of funny is that, like, the point that the show is making, which is that, you know, Linda Tripp is this self glorifying, uh, you know, very self centered person who is just uh, obsessed with her own image and self promotion. I mean, it's the same. The show is guilty of the exact same thing that Linda Tripp was guilty of, except with Sarah Paulson instead of Linda Tripp. Anyway, it's sort of this weird kind of, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, life imitating art sort of thing. The show is actually pretty good for what it's worth. I mean, it is trash O Mondo. It is like John Waters esque bad. Uh, but, you know, it's like kind of ludicrously entertaining. Clive Owen as Be- as Bill Clinton. I mean, you wouldn't think it at first, but he kind of kills it. I mean, he's it's like, you know, Billy Bob Thornton in Love Actually, but with a, just a smear of makeup all over his face. And he's got this prosthetic nose and he's got like the southern drawl really good. Beanie Feldstein doesn't really look like Monica Lewinsky, but I think she's really good on the show. And yeah, Sarah Paulson's unrecognizable, but it's like basically the same performance that Allison Janney gave in I, Tanya. Actually, there's a real distinct I, Tonya vibe to this whole. project. It feels basically like a glorified SNL uh, impersonation. Um, The show doesn't really focus on um, Bill or Monica. It's just about Linda Tripp, Linda Tripp, Linda Tripp. And uh, she's a flat character who's really uninteresting and and manipulative. And we kind of get that. I wish that the show would look at the power dynamics that are contained in this relationship between Bill and, and Monica. We never even see them on screen together. All the, the entire liaison is kind of referenced, uh, up to, uh, you know, abstractly in dialogue and kind of like reflection and stuff like that. So overall, it's a disappointment. I don't know why I keep watching it. It, it is. It's like on a lurid level, kind of interesting. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I've seen the first thing like, three or four episodes. Like, I mean, but the reason why they don't do that is because none of that's proven. It's all hearsay at that point. The same reason why they never showed any murder in the OJ thing. They try to keep it as, like, close to what you could prove as possible. But, yeah, Bill, like, uh, Clive Owen doesn't look like Bill Clinton. He doesn't look like Clive Owen, but he looks more like Clive Owen than he does like Bill Clinton. And it's really awkward i don't know i don't know that i would call it good but it's just it's weird to
1: watch it is weird but i think bill clinton is hard to impersonate very easy to get wrong now is it as good as daryl hammond eating a chicken mcnugget at mcdonald's in 1992 snl no he might look like more more like him than he does like bill clinton honestly (laughs) he's about like 40 pounds lighter than bill clinton that also is is a difference but uh, I don't know. I mean, for, for what it's worth, like, I think it's sort of inspired that someone would have the balls to say, hey, Clive Owen as Bill Clinton. Like, that uh, that takes some imagination. I think that was the last role to get cast in that thing, too. Yeah, of and, course, the first role was uh, Sarah Paulson because it's FX and it's Sarah Paulson. Well, no, I think I think Beanie Billson was the
0: first to get to get cast. I mean, she that was announced like two or three years ago.
1: I just feel dirty watching it. That's all.
0: It, it is it is kind of an awkward show, but I mean, it is it is definitely watchable because it's Ryan Murphy and he can't really do anything that bad other than that
1: stupid Meryl Street movie he made last year. Yeah, you hated that. You gave that like one star.
2: Oh, is that the laundromat?
1: No, the, the prom. prom.
2: Oh, the prom. That's that right. Was, the laundromat, laundromat was, was Soderbergh. Soderbergh. Yeah. Wasn't it?
0: Well, that was Ryan Murphy, right? The prom.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think it was. <laughs> I think crazy. it was. I, I'm just still upset that Clive Owen never got to be James Bond. Like he would have been perfect.
0: By the way, Alabama lost.
2: Yeah, I know. Down goes Bama.
1: Breaking news. Breaking news. Who's who's is Andrew Luck gonna retire? -retire? (laughs) Unretire? We're always first to break the stories here. The big sports. Yes, it's
2: gonna be it's gonna be a big story when this finally is edited and posted two days later. Um. (laughs) All right. Well, that's what we have been watching. Uh, Also, one last thing I forgot to mention when I was uh, doing it, I did just post a written review for Lamb. I went and saw that last night. Nice. Uh, Yeah, it was a good double feature of Lamb and James Bond. Um, (laughs) But um, check out my thoughts on that uh, written review. Check out almostsideways.com to find that. Alright. Well, yes. Our featured review.
0: I love this movie so
1: much.
2: I did not really like this film at all
1: this is the most Zack movie ever made you gotta see it
2: movie reviews is I mean what else was it gonna be 007 James Bond no time to die
1: why would I betray you
2: we all have our secrets we just didn't get to yours yet
0: The world
1: is arming faster than we can respond.
2: Where's 007? I need a favor, brother. You're the only one I trust for this.
0: The world's moved on, Commander Bond. You were 00? Two years. So stay in your lane. You get in my way, I will put a bullet in your knee. I thought you two would get along. Name? Bond. James Bond. So you're not dead?
1: Hello, Q, I've missed you. It's the most valuable asset this country has. If you feel yourself losing control, I'm not going to lose. Control.
2: Gave up everything for her.
0: When her secret finds its way out, it'll be the death of you.
1: What is it? You don't know what this is. James Bond. Licence to kill. History of violence could be speaking to my own reflection. Only your skills die with your body. Mine will survive long after I'm gone.
2: History isn't kind to men who play God. Have it. It took long enough. I, I love, you know, that clip that goes around and every Friday afternoon it's posted on Twitter, ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. Yeah. That was Daniel Craig's initial press tour for no time to die <laughs> back in like February of 2020. And now here we are uh, and it's actually coming out. Like, I think he hosted that SNL episode like two days after they announced that it was getting rescheduled and he like cracked jokes about it. So here's no time to die. Todd, you're going to start. Tell us all okay. about uh, no time to die, what it's about and what you thought.
0: Okay. No time to die is directed by Carrie Fukunaga. And uh, the movie opens with Madeline Swan, who we've seen before. She, but she's a young girl and who witnesses her mother getting murdered by this revenge minded guy named Lucifer, Lucifer Saffin played by Rami Malek. And he's trying to kill her father, Mr. White, who evidently murdered his entire family. But he ends up just like killing his, her mother. And, but he spares Madeline. And we come to the present day where Bond and Madeline, played by Leah Seydoux, are in retirement. Bond is played by, of course, Daniel Craig in his last outing. And he's pulled back into the game due to some things that have come up from the past. As well as Blofeld, who is still Christoph Waltz, orchestrating some devious plots from prison. There's also Bond's CIA <laughs> partner slash friend, Felix Leiter, played by Jeffrey Wright, who has a new partner played by Billy Magnuson, who's like a big fan of 007, apparently, and uh, is immediately suspicious. Uh, Ana de Armas shows up in Cuba and helps Bond with something there. Like, she's totally coming back. At least I would hope so, because she kind of steals the show. Um, there have been a lot of rumors about Lashana Lynch, who's like a new 007 operative, like potentially being the new permanent lead in the franchise, which is sort of played with and discussed throughout. She isn't entirely interesting in the movie, but she does go to like toe to toe with Bond uh, for respect uh, throughout the movie. Uh, she she sort of pop sort of pops up like Iroquois Pliskin in Metal Gear Two, like helping Bond with some things because his like wow. judgment is a little lacking at times. Yeah, uh, but uh, uh, Ray Fiennes is also back as M, and Ben Whishaw as Q, Naomi Harris is Money Penny. There are a lot of moving parts and a lot of new characters and a lot of callbacks to old movies. So there's a reason why the movie is almost 165 minutes long. The beginning scene, I think, is pretty masterful. It, it reminded me of like the opening to a Tarantino movie, like, it, and it's like highlighted by Fukunaga's affinity for like eccentric villains in his movies. And that scene had to have been his idea to start with because it doesn't have the tone of any starting uh, scene of any Bond movie I've ever seen. He co- co-wrote the script actually with uh, regulars Neil Purvis and Robert Wade, as well as uh, everyone's favorite uh, British TV writer Phoebe Waller Bridge. Daniel Craig is awesome in this. He brings, like, the heart to Bond that no one else really does. And this may be his com- most complete performance. Uh, he sort of looks like Steve McQueen now- nowadays, and it shows that he's oh. actually that level of actor. Like, the ending scenes are kind of bittersweet, and it definitely has a way of sending him off better than they do in the Fast and the Furious franchise. Like, it- it's, like, actually subtle and really cool the way that, that that they care for Bond as much as the people that are in charge of making these movies. Uh, there's some really cool extended action sequences in here. There are a lot of like really close quarters, like car chases that reminded me of Born Supremacy. The the lair that they end up at at the end is it, totally full on Austin Powers. Like I mean, Austin Powers <laughs> seems like it probably ripping this movie off somehow from the past. <laughs> uh rami malik is like the diabolical villain has some insane ideas and motivations some that i don't really i really entirely understand like why is he playing the long game with this like uh, this insanely long game but i mean it just sort of just seems tacked on i like the cat and mouse thing with Blofeld more than i actually like lewitz for but i mean that's just because his character is a little lacking in development i i kind of think the movie could have been longer like i'm like i was saying i like the honor drama's part there are a lot of like these really cool exotic locations that the movie goes to And but it sort of rushes through them, and we don't really get to spend a whole lot of time with any individual characters, which are all really quirky. The movie is pretty funny, and like, or we don't get to spend a whole lot of time at any individual location. It it is like a loaded story, and and while Lucifer like takes uh, like almost to the point of being like this, like, like having the three villain problem with the movie. It it, it kind of works because his movie or because his part isn't as as built on as it could as it could have been. If, if it would have just if it would have focused on him like half the time like like Dark Knight does with Joker, it would have completely ruined it. But I, I I think the ending is sort of bittersweet, but it's satisfying and it plays off his predecessors like it plays the Honor, Majesty, Secret Service, uh, song as it goes into the credits, which is probably the closest relative to this movie. But that's what I love about the franchise; it has so much material to build off of and this like little five movie series that daniel craig had it ha- has just been awesome it like opened a door and closed it and created its own legacy and i don't think these movies can really be bad anymore there's too much on the line like you can make a lame born movie or a lame mission impossible movie when you're trying to give it to jeremy renner like both of them did but you can't have 007 without bond and they still they're gonna make a perfect choice i can't wait to see where they go from here this is it's far from a perfect movie, but it's so much fun. And never for a second did I actually think it was boring. I, I was I was kind of skeptical when I saw the length, but I mean, I, I was totally fine with it. The stakes are higher. The story is a little more trivial, but it's totally solid. And I think it's the second best of the Craig Bonds. And I've given it like a really high three stars, and I can't wait to watch it again.
2: All right. All right. So, Zach, you saw this, and you admitted to me that you have not seen Spectre. Correct. So you went into this a little bit blind. So I'm in, I'm interested to hear what you thought of it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, this is kind of like your review slash non-review last week of The Sopranos. <laughs> I'm not going to punt like that. I'm actually going to give my thoughts about. Well, the I mean that I,
2: I think you actually can with this. Where Many Saints of Newark, I don't think you really can without seeing the show.
1: I mean, I you know, I could not pass a quiz to uh, this movie's plot. I mean, even Todd admitted the, the motivations behind the Rami Malek character, I did not understand at all. Who is Mr. White? I'm not sure really who Christoph Waltz is in this movie, although it's, you know, pl- playing off of Hannibal Lecter, I guess, and, and, and Harvey Dent. Um, I completely disagree with pretty much everything Todd said. I found this movie uh, boring, tedious, uh, really unoriginal. Um absolutely uh nothing uh remarkable about it except the opening sequence. I'll agree with you there. That opening sequence was pretty cool, although even that was basically ripped out of Inglorious Bastards or something. Um so, like I guess my problem with the movie kind of comes in like three areas. Well, one is that this movie is more interested in being a Marvel movie than it is a James Bond movie with its kind of parade of villains and uh, the, the team that is gathered around James Bond. They got the radio going. They got his sidekick. They got uh, these people that have apparently appeared in, in previous movies. So it's no longer about a solo act. It's all about the team going in. And the stakes, of course, are a, a lunatic who wants to uh, you know um, cause uh, mass destruction on an epic level. Uh, you've seen that uh, before, been there, done that. Um, there's nothing really new added in terms of Bond's persona. I mean it's basically kind of like like when you saw Casino Royale for the first time, right? And you watched that chase on the rooftop. I mean that was an exhilarating moment in the Bond kind of persona. And and I love how Daniel Craig breathed, you know, he had new life to the role. It was not Pierce Brosnan. And you know, in this movie, I just I guess I'm done with the Craig persona. Like there's 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 nowhere to go with it, okay? I mean, it I don't know. I, I feel like that, that, that the filmmakers should have taken more risks with that. Um, I thought the last uh, hour was incredibly boring, I- incredibly dull. It took some of the same scenery out of Blade Runner 2049 mixed with a Marvel movie and maybe a little bit of a Christopher Nolan movie, too. When you're using a child in distress... I mean, come on, that is D.W. Griffith, Charlie Chaplin stuff. I mean, that's that's really bad. When you're using a talking villain who gives off, you know, this long monologue about his crazed, demented view of the world, where and, you know, James Bond is just sitting there listening. I mean, that is a trope that I think was old 20, 30, 40 years ago. Um, the set pieces are really kind of lame. The, the scene that Todd referenced with Anna de Armas looks like it was filmed on a closed set. The car chase at the beginning is kind of cool, but not as cool as you know, Tomorrow Never Dies or some other better car chases in Bond movies. I don't know. There's, there's nothing that's exceptional in this movie that makes it stand out above and beyond other James Bond uh, uh, movies. Um, gosh, I don't know. We waited, what, 18, 24 months for this? This is what we get? like we have to we have to have the theater going experience to see this we're not we can't stream it on HBO Max we've been waiting and waiting at this point years for this and this is all this is the best they have this kind of rehashing of characters who are poorly developed i mean granted i don't know necessarily all their backstories but Bond movies should stand alone to some degree. And this one really doesn't. And as a result, I don't really care about the characters. The situations are way too familiar. And uh, yeah, it's exceptionally long. So this is a, a pretty big disappointment for me. I give it two stars. Well,
0: if you don't know who Blofeld is, then you probably haven't seen like a single Bond movie. So.
1: I don't have Skyfall in my top 10 of the decade. That That's true. He's not me. in Skyfall.
2: <laughs> no, he, he's not. He's, he's just in, in like, like every, all of the like, Connery
0: ones. Yeah. <laughs> And inspector, of course. And
2: yeah, inspector. Um, yeah, I think I I I agree, main pretty much with Todd on on all of it. And I think this is Zach. From what I'm hearing, you're just not necessarily a fan of Bond films.
1: Mm, well, I'm not a fan of. Listen, I mean, okay. I guess here's the here's the 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 real truth. I'm a busy person, okay? You're asking me to sit in a movie theater for three hours to watch this. And I had to go to the theater to pay money for it, to deal with people that literally got up twice to go to the bathroom. And so it, am I so bad for giving a movie thumbs down because I didn't have a per, you know personal enjoyment out of it? The movie should have given me some excitement, some thrills. It had some in the first 30 minutes. I was like, okay, I'm ready to go. This is, This shit looks kind of cool. But it just dragged on and on and on. So, am I a bad person? Maybe. So screw me. I just didn't enjoy. I didn't enjoy myself at the movie. I didn't find it entertaining. You need to find a new city to watch movies at. I found. <laughs> like a new I, I was on in my an couch absolute couch watching HBO Max and nobody got up not once. I th- there was someone who fell asleep behind me. This this, this crowd was not enthused. Now, obviously, it's Man. not fair to the movie, but it just it, it it you know it didn't it didn't help the experience, shall we say? Well,
2: and I think. Part of it is, you're, you're right, most, most Bond films are completely 100% standalone. But the Craig films, I think, more than anything, have broken that. Um, Quantum of Solace doesn't make any sense if you haven't seen Casino Royale. Uh, Skyfall kind of stands on its own, but this one you definitely need to know the backstory of Spectre and the backstory of the Lea Seydoux character, the backstory of the Christoph Waltz character it helps it make sense. Now, like I said, I don't think it's as bad as like many saints of Newark and not seeing the entire series of the Sopranos, but you, you need, you need that backstory. And this is definitely a bond film that, uh, is made for fans of bond. Um, and, uh, I mean the, the stuff you were saying, like he's got his team and that's not bond. And like, M and Q and Monty Penny are in every bond. Felix Leiter is in almost every bond. Um, a a villain that's bent on world domination is in every bond. So, I mean that that's, those are bond classic tropes that it's just playing off of. Um, I mean, go back to the very first one with Dr. No, he has his monologue where he's going to say, this is what I'm doing and this is why I'm doing it. Um, but no, I I go right along with everything Todd said. It, this was one of the shortest two hour and forty five minute movies I've ever seen. Um, it it flew by. I was never bored by it. Uh, I loved all the callbacks to to all the other things and just trying to trying to tie the bow nice and neat on what Daniel Craig has brought to the franchise. Um, and it's interesting because, like we were saying, they're not standalone movies, and this is like the first time. That uh, you have a very intentional like beginning, middle, and end to a Bond tenure, right? Because you had Pierce Brosnan, he just showed up and was Bond, and then when you in Goldeneye and then Die Another Day, he still just showed up as Bond, and then it ended. And and same with Timothy Dalton and Roger Moore and and George Lazenby and Sean Connery, they just showed up and were Bond, and then. Their last movie, they showed up and were Bond, and that was it. These, you have Daniel Craig in Casino Royale becoming Bond, and then you have this arc of his character that kind of plays out throughout this entire five film set, and and this kind this brings it all together. And I thought it did it masterfully. I I yeah, I thought it was great. I wanted more Anna de Armas too, and I hope she comes back but there always seems to be one of those characters that just kind of is a throwaway character that steals it halfway through. And then you never see them again. That like, that's a bond trope too. And I hate it because I always want more of that character, but they move on to something else. Uh, three and a half stars. I, I thought it was, it, it's, it's right up there with, I, I know Todd, you're saying Skyfall's the best. I think casino Royale is right up there with Skyfall too. But uh, yeah, it's, it's those three at the top. And then, the other two somewhere else, but uh, three and a half stars for me on on No Time Today.
0: Well, I mean, okay, I, I can understand it. I would under, I would think this is like watching The Dark Knight Rises if you haven't seen the first two in this that series or something. If you haven't seen Spectre or something, like that's probably how Zach was going into this. But either way, Dark Knight Rises is kind of trash anyway. But the scope of that and like how many how many times it like plays off the other movies that, that's kind of what you're going for here. I think that's what they
1: were going for yeah i think that's that's valid i just so i'm coming from from a, an uninformed perspective but going back to your comment about the mcu I, I i yes obviously bond villains have had you know scheming diabolical plans although i think rami malek again with the disfigured face and the accent i mean that's that's just hamming it up in my opinion but like the anna de Armas character that is like that's like Nick Fury. I mean, that's like, the, that's an MCU trope. The, this, you know, the characters that kind of appear and, and reappear. Like, I, I just, I didn't need it. And, and I, I, that sequence, I don't think added anything to the movie. It made the movie more bloated. Right. I mean, in, like that that character was sort of like
0: the Denise of the Thor character in like uh, Last Jedi or something like that. Right. That, that, like it was just like this one one part where you just go and this person helps you and then you you're away from them and you don't see him again like that, that was sort of the way I thought it but I was like I want that character to come back
2: <laughs> I mean I mean you you have you have a minimum quota of bond girls that have to show up in a in a bond film so if, if it takes going to Cuba to get another one so be
1: it I did like how much James was uh, drinking in this movie. I think we need a super cut of all the times he he's drinking. He, he's got a real problem.
0: They, they were like on the run and he stops at yeah. that bar just to like, was pour was <laughs> like, drink j- like just three, just three weeks of training. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's go. Then again, he never drinks his martini. Like she chugs it and he doesn't even yeah, take a sip. And he's like, he was, all right, I guess
1: we're going to the bedroom. <laughs> he was mostly going for scotch in this movie, which I can respect. I think that shows age and uh, maturity.
2: I can dig that. I can dig that.
1: Well, uh,
2: let's move on from this. It, it sounds like uh, if if you like what like Bond films, if you've been following along, it, this is one that you're going to that you're probably going to enjoy. If you're have kind of been disconnected from the Bond universe for the last few years, this one might not be as easy to access uh so uh zach gives it two stars todd gives it three i give it three and a half it's in theaters pretty much any theater that's showing movies right now you'll be able to find no time to die it's the biggest thing going right now uh and uh yeah that is the new 007 so now
1: let's move on to our mount rushmore don't you wish that uh the weekend had done the song instead of uh billy eilish no. Wouldn't that have been it's better? I
2: love the song. It was a good but song. Yes, but it was yes. The, If the if mean. we could have had the the yes, if if we could I have like finished the movie with Daniel Craig just stepping aside, ladies and gentlemen, the weekend,
1: and then yeah, yeah, and then maybe Julia Fox shows
2: up. I was gonna say Julia Fox is there dancing yeah. or something, mm-hmm. and
1: with a tattoo yeah. on her ass. Yep. Mm-hmm.
2: All right. So uh, let's get into our Mount Rushmore. So if if you stayed to the end of the credits. Like I did. The last thing that shows on the screen is James Bond will return. So what we're and they've come out and said the producers have come out and said that in 2022, they're going to do a search and they're going to try and find who the new James Bond is going to be. So we thought we'd have a little fun here and build a Mount Rushmore of who we think the next James Bond should be. And I think we're going to do two. We're going to do a Mount Rushmore of who should be James Bond and a Mount Rushmore of who should direct it. Right. Is that what you said? Okay. Okay. So Mount Rushmore, who should be the next James Bond? Zach, you can have your submission first.
1: I'm going with Riz Ahmed. The guy is British. He's awesome. He has an Academy Award nomination at this point. He's a breakout. He was one of the breakout stars of last year. He can do indie movies. He can do big franchise movies. He's versatile. I think he would bring a new element to Bond that we haven't really seen before. Um, but he could take it in a lot of different ways so uh i would i would i would love to see that is he british he is british
0: okay i, I wasn't not, sure i didn't even know that yeah
1: yes i thought he yeah
0: he's his uh family's pakistani but he was born in london okay
2: so. okay i don't think i've ever actually seen him in his in his natural accent then i
0: mean that, I, that I, is I felt like, I felt well, like, like Craig... four lions. I saw like that was, I don't know. That was... I felt like
1: Daniel Craig's accent was going a little in and out in this movie. Well, but he... maybe I'm crazy. I <laughs> think you're crazy. He is. He's British. <laughs> it's a little but like, one the, of the, the things that's interesting in talking about there. this
2: is so many people are like, I like, I remember when, when, uh, when Daniel Craig was cast, people were like, Johnny Depp should be the new bond or Leonardo DiCaprio should be the new bond. I'm like, they have never given it to a non-Brit. Like I think Lazenby was Australian, and that was like the closest thing. So they've never not given it to a Brit, and so I it, that has to be like a like something that's a a main thing in this.
1: Yeah, one of the problems I've always had with Daniel Craig. Is that um, I like Layer Cake more than any of the James Bond movies, and well, he was essentially playing James Bond in that movie. So I feel like that. They've sort of always said that's bad, the bad movie precedent.
2: that set him up for
1: right. It, and that's a great movie. I, layer Cake is kind of garbage.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I have okay. yet to see Layer Cake. I, I haven't watched it yet. All right, Todd, who's your uh, submission for the new Bond?
0: Uh, I said uh, Matthew Good. He he's one of those actors that I mean he's done some American stuff but he's definitely British like I really like him in in stuff like um, was that The Lookout and 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 uh, I think he was in the Downton Abbey movie like he, he's he's got the he's got the look of James Bond and he's he's in the right age range to start his own uh, little thing with it so I think Matthew Goode would be a really an interesting one that isn't like a
1: like an A lister they're never gonna go with a lister. I have no idea who that is and I can't identify him from any of the movies he's been in.
0: Yeah, I, main, I know
2: who it is. He's like he, the second lead
0: in match point.
2: He, he's imitation um, game. He I I remember him from that.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at his filmography.
2: Um he's a I don't know, he's a little old. Was he, forty three?
0: It's not too bad. I mean, Craig was old. Craig was like
2: thirty. He's like fifty-two now, so he was like thirty-seven when he started.
0: Okay. I mean, it, it wouldn't be.
2: Yeah. That's not bad. Um. All right. So my pick. Uh. If if you're gonna go, I've I've got a couple different categories. Like if you're gonna go for like the traditional bond, and then some some that would fit kind of the Riz Ahmed, outside the box. Not not your your. Your typical Bond look, but um, if you're going for the tradition, I think that's the best. The best one I got, which is Richard Madden, um, who is—he's uh, <clears throat> Rob Stark uh, from Game of Thrones. He play. He was in. Uh, he was the boyfriend in Rocket Man. He was the brother in 1917. I mean, he just—he's got the look of of James Bond, and he would he would be able to nail it. And uh, and so that's that. I think if you're going to go, but like I always said, Clive Owen always needed to be James Bond. Richard Madden was built to be James Bond. So.
0: I, he is one of the ones that's always been rumored to be uh, in right. the running. So.
2: Yeah. Another Lewis, one that always should have been James Bond, Damian Lewis should have always gotten a chance. But, but when, once once Daniel Craig was cast when he did and and he's had a monopoly on it for the last 15 years, it, it, it completely knocked out some great ones like that.
0: Well, never okay. say never. Just like Sean Connery.
2: <laughs> yep. All right. So now we need a, uh, a consensus pick here. I've got a couple more. Um... And we need a taft pick. Oh, and we need a taft pick. Okay. That yeah. one. We need fat one. Fat
1: <laughs> James Bond. <laughs>
2: uh, all right. Well, I've got two more names written down and uh, one of them is Dev Patel, which is kind of a similar vein as, as Riz Ahmed. I think he could pull it off. I think I think the Green Knight was kind of, could kind of be like his layer cake of showing how how he could do it. And then the other one is, is kind of been a, a hot name and a and a rumored one, too, is Reggie John Page, uh, who was from uh, Bridgerton, that Netflix show and became uh. like a huge hit. Um, he's he's been one that's kind of that new young up and coming British actor that has been rumored to. So those are two I've never seen
0: him do anything so I can't agree with I that. I saw
2: him host SNL. That's the only thing I've ever seen him do.
0: Well, who's the frontrunner right now? It's got to be like Henry Cavill or something, right?
2: But you really think they're going to they're going to say, "All right, Superman is now James Bond." I mean, that that's the one Cavill thing British? I have against Henry Cavill, yeah. Henry Cavill's British.
0: Well, all the people they ever mention are all people that are that are already have MCU ties, pretty much, because it doesn't everybody.
2: Well, Henry Cavill doesn't. He has DC ties, but well, then there you go. <laughs> um, The yeah, I, they never go with the star, though. That that's that's one of the things that. I mean, even even the names, even like Richard Madden is a little too big of a star almost to to get it. Like Daniel Craig had a small indie movie like Layer Cake. And I remember when he was cast, I was like. So the the romantic opposite in Tomb Raider and the crazy guy in the jacket like that, that was my Daniel Craig familiarity when he was cast as James Bond. So it it always kind of is an outsider.
0: I, I think we'd all like to see Aaron Taylor Johnson play Bond.
1: Ooh. That'd be good. I thought you were going to say Aaron Paul. I'd, I'd <laughs> like to see him as Bond. <laughs> Bitch.
0: He's too short. Yeah. <laughs> Bond, Bond only brings out a couple bitches, I think. <laughs> 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 Maybe I worded that wrong.
1: <laughs> well, what about Lashana Lynch? Can she be our consensus? I mean, vodka martini with chili pee in it, baby. <laughs>
0: No, LaShawna Lynch is not going to be Bond. She's Nomi.
2: But she was 007.
0: Yeah. Was, so... She isn't anymore. She gave it up.
2: Yeah. It pretty I much ended
0: that whole conspiracy theory like partway through the movie. And I was really happy about that because that would have been ridiculous. You can't have 007 without Bond. I Otherwise, you're just watching Salt or something or Born or whatever.
2: Who do we want to go with, Todd? Did you have any others?
0: No, I didn't. I didn't have write any others down. I was just okay. looking at a list of potential people that are
1: in the right age range. Zach, did you have any others? No, but could we make Tony from the Up series in the new Bond movie? Like maybe he's the villain or something. He could be maybe a fat old James Bond.
2: I think. I think he maybe just he's the one to, to drive a taxi. Yeah. yeah,
1: exactly. He'll be a driver. There we go. Yeah.
2: <laughs> that has to happen. That has to happen.
0: I mean, I'd be cool with Dev Patel. I mean, yeah, that's a good one. I'm right. down
2: with that. So we got we got Riz Ahmed, Matthew Good, Dev Patel, and Richard Madden. All right. Who's directing this new James Bond? Zach, who do you who are you looking at?
1: Well, after you said Dev Patel, I I thought David Lowry would actually be a pretty good pick. I um I have a, a semi serious one and then a a, a not so serious one. My my semi serious one is Jeremy Solnier, the guy who did Blue Ruin and, and Green Room. Because he hasn't done a whole lot lately, but he's got you know a really great eye for colors and cinematography and sets and things like that. Um, And I don't know, I think he would give it maybe more of like again an indie vibe. It goes along with my Riz Ahmed pick. Um, Maybe make it more gritty, more handheld shots, less polished. Uh, And then my semi semi not so serious pick um, is Ratman because listen, Ratman is a great filmmaker. We all agree friend of the podcast, and uh, this would elevate his status pretty quickly. From YouTube to Bond.
0: Fantastic. How many Bond songs would there be? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we... we <laughs> the whole to... Oscar category would be... Exactly.
1: <laughs> we would never have to worry about Bond uh, songs again.
0: That's
2: amazing. Todd, what do you got?
1: I mean, I wrote a bunch
0: down. One, I mean, the, the obvious one that I think probably should be agreed upon one is De- Denny Villeneuve, because... I mean, too uh... easy. yeah, I mean, he's taken old stuff with Blade Runner and made it fresh. He's taken old stuff with Dune and evidently made it fresh. I mean, I can't, I mean, with Bond would be easy. But the one that I was thinking of, uh, sort of because I liked uh, No Time to Die, was, uh, I, I said James Marsh, who is the director of uh, not only, like, um, Anvil, the story of Anvil, but he also uh, directed The Night Of, which also has Riz Ahmed, mm-hmm. but I uh, because Cary Fukunaga made his made his name uh, directing uh, True Detective. And The Night of, similar kind of thing. The, the HBO show. And uh, it's a really masterfully directed thing. And I, I think he's a great director. And he also is British, of course. Cary Fukunaga is not
2: British, though, right? Like, they're right. okay taking non-British directors.
0: Yeah. Um. but I mean, they, they pr- would prefer it, probably. They don't yeah. always like going with, like, John Woo or something.
2: Right, right, but Mark Forster isn't British, right? Because he did oh, Quantum of Solace. He might be Australian. Yeah, so that's po- one thing. <clears throat> that's one thing with the Bond directors is they usually go with a name. Like Casino Royale was Martin Campbell, but he'd already directed a Bond before. And then since then, we've had Mark Forster, Sam Mendes, and Cary Fukunaga. So it's people who are like trusted hands that they know
0: and can Bruce. do it. What? Sam Mendes is British.
2: Yeah, I know. I'm not saying I'm not saying in non-American. I'm just saying they're known commodities. Like they know they're going to get a good movie out of this out of this person.
0: Not
1: not uh, in the older Bond movies though.
2: Not necessarily older, but definitely yeah, they in the recycled
0: newer ones. a bunch. Like Guy Hamilton directed like a four in a row or something.
2: Yeah, But in the Brosnan ones, Martin Campbell did GoldenEye. I forget who did tomorrow never dies Gary michael apted did um world is not enough right i think he did and then that some japanese right. guy did die another day
0: i always thought that was I, I i that's why i said john woo i thought it was john woo but maybe not <laughs>
2: no it wasn't john
0: woo oh no, he, he did the mission impossible movie that's right
2: yeah he did mission impossible too the bad one um so, uh, I, I wrote down two names uh, that I thought would be really interesting. One of them is Alfonso Cuaron. Um, he's done action before, and I think it'd be interesting to see him pull it pull back out again. And how in the world has Guy Ritchie never directed a Bond movie? Like, I think that would be pretty cool.
0: He sort of does his Bond thing, though. Yeah,
2: he, he's kind of bond-esque in the stuff that he does
0: i feel like saying i mean like obviously the perfect would be like paul greengrass or
1: something but he does his thing, right but see like here's the thing okay Kerry fukunaga i mean he did see nombre one of my favorite movies i know todd's not a huge fan of it but like to me that kind of says like if i'm going to choose my favorite director that basically hand ties them to bond movies and nothing else so like No, I don't want to pick the freaking Safdie brothers because I want to see what they do with other stuff that maybe I'm more interested in. So it can't be a director that I'm willing to lose to Bond. You know, it's like the Chloe Zhao thing. I mean, she's making a freaking Marvel movie, right? And I mean, you know, Bond is better than Marvel. Sure. But like you're going to lose potentially a great filmography from someone who is kind of hamstrung to this franchise.
2: Well, but I, most of them are one and done. I mean, Sam Mendes did two and then went and made 1917. So it's not that's like we gotta well,
0: agree on Villeneuve because he
1: like he he's okay with it. <laughs> He'll take yeah. other people's material. Well, and I I think the same goes for Quaron too. Like so, and the, the other ones I had written himself. down were...
0: I had Steve McQueen, Tom Hooper, and Jonathan Glazer, who are all British. And all I really like the
1: Steve McQueen. Yeah, that's a good one i don't cool. think glazer
0: would be interesting because he did that's not his style necessarily but i could i mean after like under the skin and stuff like i think that'd be something really interesting to watch <laughs> depending on the actor
2: <laughs> all right well i don't think this is going to be a necessarily a formal mount rushmore but we've we've kind of given our thoughts
1: i think I, they're I'm all sure good they're ideas li- i'm sure hollywood's listening
2: yeah uh, i'm sure they are too we we didn't it's come not Hollywood. No.
0: This is definitely not Hollywood that would we'll be listening. <laughs> yeah
2: yeah. <laughs> uh, but what, what's her what's her name? Broccoli, Barbara Broccoli is that it?
0: Yeah, and and the Queen and all the people in power. Yeah, they're they're <laughs> Fleming's sure. family.
2: Mm-hmm. All right, yeah, that wasn't a Mount Rushmore. It was more of the Hall of Presidents, but uh, we'll go with it. And uh, that that's what we think should be the future of Bond and who uh, who's pl- portraying and directing. All right, moving on. Power rankings time.
1: You can't top that.
0: Yeah, that's the movie about the horse.
1: I'm going to pull an
2: audible at the last minute here. That's because I haven't seen it. Power rankings. Not including Fargo. Can't choose Fargo ever again. Todd, you were back in the winner's circle last time. So uh, tell us what we're doing.
0: Uh, I'm not really sure why. That we're doing this but we are doing the <laughs> best bathroom scenes scenes set in a bathroom in movies tv or video games but it, you can only use one and it can't be your number one um yeah i mean i don't know i originally had for some reason had bathtub scenes in my in mind and we sort of agreed on bathroom scenes so uh this will be interesting because this is really difficult to come up with i was sort of brainstorming all week and i had nothing until this morning so yeah. I think I have Adam's list nailed though.
2: I've got a pretty good Adam list, but it all depends on if he actually thought of it. Um yeah, do this was an interesting list? one. Yeah, I have his list. Okay. This is an interesting one. I was uh it usually I like scroll through like all the movies I've seen and be like, ooh, that that has this, that has this. This one I really just sat there and was like, okay, ooh, what do I think of when I think of bathroom scene? And I wrote down all the ones I thought of and picked from that pretty much pretty much
0: not exactly how i went about it but i mean
2: <laughs> but i, I know i nice. know i i know i like my list because i mean it was the most like for me the most recognizable ones okay
1: i thought a lot about my list while watching no time to die because i was bored <laughs> and you're watching
2: people get up and go to the bathroom so. yeah,
1: exactly yeah <laughs> i are think there... my, my
0: honorable mentions are going to be more fun than my actual list but
2: I've got some great honorable mentions, too. All right, Zach, you're going to go first on this one. Give us your number five.
1: Okay, my number five is uh, from um, the second greatest Adam Sandler movie ever made, Punch Drunk Love, and it is a scene when Barry uh, takes uh, Emily Watson, his date, to a restaurant on their first official date, and uh, she makes the mistake of bringing up his sister's something you don't want to do around Barry Egan. And uh, he gets very flustered, excuses himself because he doesn't want to show bad taste in front of her and then beats the shit out of the bathroom. And he beats like the hand dryer and the faucet and the door. And then, um, you know, he's like calm and all collected. And then, and then he goes back to the table and then the waiter's like, sir, can I please talk to you? He's like, what's, what's the problem? It's like, sir, I have no way of proving this, but I think you just beat the shit out of the bathroom Get get your ass out of here! And he's like, well, but please let me stay, please." No, you 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 need to get out of here. Okay, fine. It's a great scene. Uh, anytime we get Adam Sandler rage, it's uh, a wonderful thing, especially mixed with Paul Thomas Anderson. And uh, it's just it's 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 a great little moment in a great little movie that's uh, absolutely hilarious and totally relatable. I, I you know I want to beat the shit out of a bathroom sometimes when family gets brought up. So it, it's a great moment.
2: Very nice, very nice.
1: I like it. Not
2: one I thought of. Me neither. I need to watch a movie again. I don't remember enough about it. All right, I'll go next. My number five is, uh, this was actually suggested by my wife, and once she suggested it, and you hear why she suggested it, 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 it definitely belongs on the list. Uh, number five is from the uh, Oscar-winning foreign film from 2010, In a Better World. Uh, So in this movie, there is a scene where uh, the two main characters, which are two young boys, uh, one of them is uh, goes into the bathroom at school and this group of bullies meets him in there and they're like going to beat the crap out of him. And then the other one comes up and saves the day and like hits one of them over the head with a pipe. And uh, and like blood just splatters everywhere and uh, and all this stuff. And it's like the kid save the day. But then it turns out this kid just has really violent tendencies. And that's what the rest of the movie is about, about how this friendship develops. And this kid who was bullied actually has a friend, but he turns out to be a really horrible friend. Anyways, the reason why this is uh, a great suggestion suggestion is last year as I was doing my uh, my Oscar watches, uh, my wife and I were watching this movie um late at night after the kids had gone to bed and uh and it gets this scene I'm like oh that's a really violent scene and we turn around and my son had wandered downstairs and was um was couldn't or got woke up and couldn't fall back to sleep so he came downstairs and he had watched the entire scene of this bloody massacre of kids beating each other with pipes in the bathroom and uh yeah so then, I, I talked with him about it later, and he goes, "Oh, that's just the movies, Dad. That wasn't real." I'm like, "Oh, good, you actually understand this stuff. That that's that's good perspective from a five-year-old." But uh, yeah, yeah, number five in a better world. I think you mentioned
0: that when you reviewed it. I might have. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, for that it, reason, it's a great pick. <laughs> the
2: the the most violent scene in the movie, one of the most violent scenes of any of those movies that I've watched late at night when. He, when he's already in bed, and sure enough, he has to walk in in the middle of that scene.
0: <sighs>
2: but perspective, he got it. It's all good. No, no traumatizing here. <laughs> Todd number five.
0: You know, this should have been like most violent, sh- like uh you know bathroom scenes. That would have been. Narrowed it down a little bit. Uh, my number five—I don't know—we've talked about it a million times. I wouldn't be surprised with Merlot. It's the psycho
1: shower scene. Yeah, Merlot. Okay. Yeah, Zach. Zach, oh, number four. It's not Merlot on my list. Oh, oh okay. okay. Uh, Okay, number four. um, I would be remiss if I didn't uh, bring up the two greatest TV series of all time. I'm going to have them tied for my number four pick to cheat a little bit. They are Breaking Bad and The Sopranos, and uh, they both have two great uh, bathroom scenes, although they probably have many great bathroom scenes. From Breaking Bad, you got to go with the scene when Hank discovers the true identity of Heisenberg, which takes place um, in a bathroom. Well, that's my number three. Oh, okay. I'll, okay. I'll Merlot I'll mer- that. My pick from The Sopranos, um, again, a lot of great bathroom scenes uh, from The Sopranos. I'm going to go with the scene toward the end of season three, when which, by the way, is my favorite Soprano season. And uh, is the scene when Tony finally confronts Jackie Jr. after he sees Jackie Jr. going at it with a stripper um, at the Bada Bing. And and at this point, Jackie Jr. is dating Meadow and he's getting involved with drugs. And Tony just beats the shit out of him. I mean, what Adam uh, Sandler does to the blow dryer, Tony Soprano does to Jackie Jr. He's like, you bought him out. You bought him out. It's a great moment with uh, James Gandolfini and some great acting. And Jackie Jr., I'm not long for this world, quite honestly, after that scene. But a, a great a bathroom confrontation.
2: I will say, if I was going to go with a Breaking Bad scene, I was going to go with um, when the bathroom came downstairs in Jesse's house.
1: <laughs> That's a great call, That's actually. Good. Yeah, because, <laughs> yeah the, the stuff that goes through the floor, that, that, that could easily be uh, on the bathroom list for sure.
2: Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, my number four is my one submission from a TV show. It is not Breaking Bad. It is not The Sopranos. It is Dexter. The end born of into season
0: blood, blood, born into blood, <laughs>
2: born into blood. The end of, is it season four. I think it's season four. The end of the Trinity yeah. Saga. Yep. That's all I'm. That's all I can say. I mean. I don't want to spoil anything for the one that hasn't seen it because it is like the biggest twist ending to any end of a show season, end of a season ever. And it is just masterful. And the, the show, the show hit its peak there and couldn't ever find it again after that. Really. So I can't imagine ever topping that. So it's my number four.
1: That's a great pick. Okay, I understand. I understand that pick as much as I understand "No Time to Die," so I'm just gonna, you know, give it. You need to up watch Dexter. You need to watch I know Dexter. What we're talking about.
2: Yeah. All right, Todd. Number
0: four. My number four comes from Full Metal Jacket. It's sort of an iconic scene. It is the the death of Private Pile and i don't, i mean i don't know i mean this is this is one that again i mean it's obviously spoiler territory but it is in the first half of the movie i guess but i mean the the, the he like gets up in the middle of the night and it, i don't know it's just this really iconic shot of vincent d'onofrio and his i don't know his eventual demise it, it's a really heartbreaking scene and uh I mean, I, I never mentioned Full Metal Jacket on these things, I. but uh, the first half of the movie is a masterpiece, and this is one of the reasons why it is, because, like, scenes like this. Which is hard, because, like, th- this this list, I was not thinking, originally, about, like, public bathrooms. I, when I said bathrooms, I was thinking, like, actual, like, <laughs> bathrooms and homes, until someone gave me an idea for, like, a bathroom in, like, a public place. I was like, oh! That makes this way easier. <laughs> and then the, the wheel started turning, so...
2: There we go. Yeah, you just got to think about it.
0: I know, I've never was seen. Was that jacket. not a problem with you guys? I've never seen Full Metal, metal Jacket did. either. What really? Yeah. <laughs> that is, okay. That's crazy. We're gonna have to next year. We're gonna have to do like a. I don't know. Come to the stable. retro It's not even coming to the stable. Yeah, it's gotta be a retro review because the fact that you guys haven't seen it is just. We, we have to.
2: We have to come up with a good name for the retro reviews. Come but, to the stable as we all review something obscure. Retro, something for just a... You all have to watch this.
1: Yeah, and it can't be the William Howard Taft. You know, it, it is going off my theory, well, though. though That's what we gotta do with swingers, right? Unless I win trivia, I'm assigning both these swingers. <laughs> C- right, we Cooper go. had a bathroom scene in every movie, I'm telling you. Yeah, but they weren't as good as the psycho shower scene. Oh, that may be true,
0: but... It's, all it's, right. If
1: you were looking for source material, just look, just do, do all Kubert all Kubrick movies. Well, I don't I mean, I guess. Zach, number three. Okay. Number three, I'm going in the comedy, uh, territory, a movie that, um, maybe if I, if I win trivia someday, I'll deep, we can deep dive, although I, it's not winning trivia that leads us to <laughs> deep diving, I guess. Um, it's, uh. It is from 1997. still don't understand the rules. (laughs) It's about about to celebrate its 25th anniversary. uh, And it is a great comedy. It is called My Best Friend's Wedding with Julia Roberts. A movie that I probably have seen way too many times to admit on this podcast. I could probably recite long passages from this movie. Um, Anyway, the bathroom scene actually takes place at Comiskey Park. Home of the White Sox. uh, Former home of the White Sox. And uh, it occurs at the end of the movie when um julianne played by julia roberts realizes the error of her ways that dylan mcdermott or dermot Mulroney, whoever uh he is uh they are pretty much the same they are kind of the same he he is going to marry kimmy played by cameron diaz and uh she needs to get them back together because she's messed up and um you know she's like kimmy kimmy where are you and then you backstabbing bitch. How could you? He was, yeah. he were the maid of honor at my wedding. So get your big hair and your, and get out of here, you food critic. And then all the, all the ladies are like, yeah, right on, right on. And now what's great about the scene is that <laughs> Julia Roberts has all the evidence stacked against her. I mean, she is this cutthroat conniving bitch and all the women realize it. And then Julia Roberts completely switches it. She says, okay, I, I cheated. I backstabbed, and I lost. He loves you, Kimmy. Now let me drive you to the wedding so you can say yes to the man we love. And then all the women applaud. Great moment. I, the tears stro- stream down the face. It's it's a beautiful, uh, heart, heartfelt scene, and uh, I, lo- I love that movie. Neither of you will ever understand it, but, uh, you know, maybe Trisha and Karen can do the podcast with me. I I think it is a great, great underrated movie. That sounds like a
0: movie it. you need to do a deep dive with Adam because you love those mid-90s movies that <laughs> nobody ever
1: watches. You've never seen it, Terry? I've never seen it. Good God. That's more unforgivable than Full Metal Jacket. No, though. it's not. Well, My Best Friend's Wedding is on TV all the
0: time. A Full Metal Jacket was for a while, too. And plus, who, who's going to turn on My Best Friend's Wedding if you're a man? <laughs> I would. <laughs> but it's debatable whether I'm a man. So. But you would also, but you not turn on Full Metal Jacket, like a, a great Kubrick movie. Hey, Ebert Just gave, a Ebert gave two and a half stars. Yeah, okay, so yeah, my but best had, his, had as number one of 1987.
2: My kids have have a tank top that they've uh, grown through, and Fiona, now where is it? That's uh, a Full Metal Jacket tank top. It
1: nice. looks pretty
2: great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Number three on my list. Uh, I'm going to the comedy realm for this one. Uh, A film we may need to do a deep dive of next year because it'll be celebrating its 25th anniversary. It's from 1997.
1: My best friend. It's not my best friend. It's a little film
2: called Liar,
1: Liar. Merlot.
2: Okay. I just thought it was really funny that. Read the voice, read,
1: read the moves in each other's voices.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I just thought it was really funny that it was the exact same lead up and I thought he was going to say it and then he said my best friend's wedding so
0: I know I thought it. I thought the same thing too like <laughs> I have no idea what the wire wire scene is <laughs> I, okay I well we're no going to talk idea. about
2: it at some point I, <laughs> I guess, don't remember that because I'm sure I you remember it
0: okay my number three was uh Breaking Bad the WW scene uh Willie mm. Yes. yes yeah, w- what were the other ones he said <laughs> <laughs> That was a know. bad
2: Hank laugh, was it? That was pretty good.
0: I mean, it's the perfect way to end, like a half season, to lead into the greatest eight episodes of television of all time. Where it's like, of course, that's the way that character would find out that information. <laughs> yes. <laughs> on a toilet. There's no other scenario where he'd be reading Leaves of Grass, and I don't know. It's just, I mean, it's it's a perfect scene, and and just the look on his face is like, oh. Shit, uh, like not only oh shit, like that's him, but oh shit, like I'm an idiot. Uh, like I, all the thoughts going through Hank's face at the same time. Like I, it's a perfect scene, and I
2: mean, and a- also sitting on the toilet while he's saying it. So and he's there's yeah. a third meaning. He's
1: he's going number <laughs> exactly. two yes. in in Walter and Skylar's private bathroom. It's <laughs> it's a little bit uncouth, if you ask me, as as a guest in the house. And it's also one of those things where, like, the 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 biggest
0: monsters leave their clues in plain sight, and it's like that's just like a power play by Walter, like mm. leaving that book on the back of the toilet. You know, it's just I don't know. It's a great scene. I can't believe Terry doesn't have this on his list. That's really sad. Like I said,
2: I I I I only wanted to put one one TV on, and the Dexter scene beat it yeah. out. And like I said, if I was gonna do Breaking Bad, it was gonna be. The bathroom, bathroom the through. bathroom falling downstairs. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I had this on my my list of uh, movie care movie and TV Karens. I had uh, Marie on my list somewhere.
2: Oh, They're minerals. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Zach number two. All right, number two comes from uh, one of my favorite <laughs> another movie that we sh- we're going to deep dive next year on uh, on its twentieth anniversary. From 2002, it's Minority Report. And uh, the scene, uh, in many ways, Minority Report is an homage to Kubrick. Uh, the scene occurs when Tom Cruise has temporarily gone blind because his eyes have been replaced and he's been instructed by Peter Stormare to not take off the bandages uh, unless he wants to be permanently blinded. So, uh, The spiders have invaded the building, they're detecting people's eyes for sensors to make sure John Anderton has not been identified. And uh, the only way he can get rid of this, uh, keep the spiders out of his uh, space is to go into a really cold bathtub with ice. It's a brilliant sequence uh, and maybe it's a little debatable whether it's truly a bathroom scene or not because there's also a really cool crane shot that's a you know shows the whole apartment complex as one big set piece and obviously there's some parallel cuts with the dumb officers outside and the spiders going through the hallway but it is a bathroom scene because it, it it does this amazing job of using the, just one little bubble that emanates from Tom Cruise's nose that comes to the surface, and it's brilliant cinematography, great staging, and uh, just a phenomenal sequence that has you on the edge of your seat, like so many sequences in that spectacular movie. Um, and uh, you know, I can't imagine ever stopping topping it, except it's not my number one, so it it is topped. But... <laughs> you did imagine it, yeah. <laughs> it's not better than Liar Liar, obviously. But it has
2: been so long since I've seen Minority Report. That you I don't, don't,
1: watch
0: that. I, don't. I, don't reme- tass- I don't remember that movie wow. basically at all. Wow.
1: I, I remember, remember everything
2: you here. were talking about, but I I literally don't remember a scene like happening in the bathroom while that's going on. I mean there there was a tub. I would assume it's a bat maybe it was one of those, oh, uh... oh I know exactly what I know exactly what you're talking about now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It yep, was, it, it was with the
1: spiders, not yep. not the spider douchebag award that we give, but the spider yep. uh, <laughs> little creature
2: and, and he and he had any he, he submerged himself in the water and his yep. seat signature went away. And, yep. Yep. And, yep. Yep. I, yep. I know exactly what you're talking about. All right. Number two on my list, I, I had to cheat a little bit on this one, too. I, I have a tie for number two, um, and it is a tie between the two best bathroom fight scenes. That I could think of, and the tie goes to uh, Casino Royale and Mission Impossible: Fallout. Um, so you've got Casino Royale, the very first scene of the movie. Uh, it, it's just this awesome scene where uh, Bond is is trying to get his double O status, and he's he's talking to this guy about how he has to get two kills on his record to get his double O, and and how how hard was the was the first one, and it it's constantly cutting to this fight he had with this guy in the bathroom and like like breaking sinks over his head and all this stuff and 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 so i mean that it's just an epic fight scene and maybe it's because we were deep dive or we were talking no time to die that it made me think of casino royale when uh when i was doing this list but then i was also thinking all right what are there any other great bathroom fight scenes and of course you go to mission impossible fallout and, and you've got, you got Tom Cruise and Henry Cavill just taking on an army of guys. And Henry Cavill, you know, doing his, like, load up his arms and, and beat the crap out of people. going Getting thrown through the double mirror and uh, across the entire bathroom. It's pretty great. So uh, that, that's my tie for number two is uh, the two best bathroom fight scenes in Casino Royale and Mission Impossible Fallout.
0: Would not have thought of either of those. Yeah, me neither. I, I had I had some fight scenes in mind, but not those ones. Those are good ones, though, right? Yeah, I mean, I have some other. I have some. I mentioned on my own. mentions. I'll I'll say, but yeah. Okay. All right, Todd, number two. My number two is the liar, liar. Yeah, I'm kicking my own ass. Do you mind? <laughs> like, that, what are that's you the, doing? That is like the like Jim Carrey just absolutely going for it and probably doing all that on his own like it, it's every everything is like choreographed there where it's like Jim Carrey's like oh yeah this is gonna be great I'm, go I'm gonna go there I'm gonna I'm gonna slam my head in the toilet seat I'm gonna I'm gonna dump the trash on myself and then I'm gonna step on my own foot which doesn't make a whole lot of sense because that's not gonna make a difference <laughs> with like how you look he punches himself like that, that whole scene is just, I mean, it's, it's masterful acting on a comedic level by Jim Carrey at, at his absolute peak. It, it's probably the best comedic performance he ever gave.
2: Yeah. It, it it's, it's his physical comedy. Just like rant. It's like Nick, Nick Cage level ramp up the insanity to Jim Carrey. And that, and that's that scene. And I think I even remember, right, he finishes it up by throwing himself on the floor. And I think I heard he gave himself a concussion by doing it. Like, he smacks the floor really hard when he well, throws himself on the his floor. Last,
0: it, his so. last move is he's, like, five feet away from the wall. And he jumps at the wall. And he hits the wall on his down slope. But he falls over. like Like, he just, like, hit the wall really hard. So it makes sense that he would smack his head on the ground. I didn't actually, I've never noticed that, honestly. Rewatch,
2: rewatch the scene, and you can hear a distinct crack when he hits the ground, when his head hits the ground on that final that final
0: bit. That was, yeah, I'm sure that was not by design. It was supposed to be hitting the wall, but he was too far away, because he has to really wing his body over there to hit, get to the wall. <laughs> Zach, do you exactly have any idea? Scene? Yeah. Nope. No, record. No, I don't remember that movie at all, do you? I remember bits of it.
2: He's trying to find a way yeah. out of the trial because he needs to lie to win. And so the only way he can think of it is he goes,
1: I, I request a continue. short
2: bathroom break.
0: And he <laughs> says, somebody beat the hell out of him in the bathroom.
2: Yeah, yeah. And so so uh, he, that's how he got out of it. It sounds well, kind of
1: like Adam Sandler in Punch Drunk Love. It sounds like there was some real rage in the bathroom. Possible. Yeah. All right. Zach, number one. All right. My number one's kind of cheating, but I'm going to go with it anyway. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, a truly great monologue from a great movie that's about to celebrate also its 20th anniversary, and that is the few montage from 25th Hour, Oh, which, yeah. uh, I mean, does it take place entirely in a bathroom? I mean, technically, yes, because he's looking at a mirror and he's looking at himself, but it's, of course, a montage of all the characters that he uh, despises because he really hates himself. This is just spectacular writing from David Benioff and spectacular filmmaking from Spike Lee. You get some crazy montages, some crazy close-ups. There's like a little bit of Darren Aronofsky, *Requiem for a Dream* in it. You got some like like 16 millimeter film in there. Um, you got you know some some really like horrible like uncomfortably like racist stuff. That's sort of funny how like horrible it is. Um, and you know it, it, we just think at first it's like. You know, this is just this is this happens in every Spike movie. This is this is Spike's, you know, op-ed part of the movie. And you think, well, it's just kind of there. What's what's the point? He's angry. And then it all kind of makes sense at the very end that he's just angry at himself. And he's just externalizing the anger that he feels toward himself that he's going to be locked away for seven years. And uh, it's just amazing delivery by Edward Norton. I mean, listen, uh, it's it's magical cinema when it happens. I, I wish I could show this sequence to my high schoolers. It's a little too R-rated and it's a little racist, obviously. But uh, it is uh, filmmaking at its best. And and 25th Hour has a lot of great sequences and montages in it. And that's just, uh, you know, one of the best in that movie.
0: I'm ashamed I didn't think of that. that. I mean, yeah, that is one of the, like, 10 greatest scenes I've ever seen. So, yes. It is.
1: It Thank you. If there's anything we're going to agree on in the, this episode, that can be one thing we agree on.
2: It's pretty great. I didn't have it on my list, but it is pretty great.
1: Did you, uh, here, did here's you consider
0: my, it, Terry?
2: I, I did consider it, but you, you're oh. ready. You're ready for my uh, <laughs> okay. here, here's 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 my my uh, my uh, little uh, confession here. I considered it, and I just dis- and I thought I would uh, I would predict it for Adam's list because I thought it was from American History X, not 25th Hour
1: yeah it feels more like an american history it, x type. yeah yeah, yeah. Well, and, well, and so, yeah, so as yeah, soon as he said the, 25th like the, hour uh, i went oh crap that's yeah, 25th
2: yeah. hour and i checked and he hasn't seen 25th hour so i just had to make an adjustment to my predictions <laughs> for this list
1: <laughs> just, just as a side note um spike's commentary during that sequence is really good too if you ever watch the dvd whenever norton says fuck the uptown brothers they 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 travel and they 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 don't dribble and that spike's commentary about uh, setting up that scene in the basketball court is is pretty hilarious and spot on and and he actually laughs quite a bit during that montage it's a funny montage but you know it's it's horrible but it's it's brilliant all right
2: my number one i you could it's kind of the boring pick but it's i think undeniably the right pick and that's the shower scene in psycho i mean it how can you not say that that's the best bathroom scene of all time i mean there's documentaries that have been made about that scene alone it is filmmaking at its finest it's most classic it's most iconic it's it's the gold standard or the black and white standard you could say of uh filmmaking a bathroom scene so it had to be my number one
0: yeah, and there was a movie made about it, which, by the way, is directed by James Marsh, who is going to direct the next Bond movie, according to me. <laughs> oh, um, all comes full circle. But yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, we we talked about that. Like we all had it on what our editing list. Like all, yeah. Li- yeah I mean, it's. It, I mean, it's an iconic scene. It's a perfect scene. You're gonna see it like, like, uh, I don't know, referenced or reenacted or immortalized in every in every movie that kind of is has a, a violent bathroom scene. It's just, I mean it's 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 a perfect scene. I put it number five because it's cause we talk about it so much, but I had to put it on the list. Otherwise I would, you know, not respect myself in the morning.
2: Yeah. I, I looked at it as I, I only had four slots to play with because psycho was number one.
1: I showed it right. to my high school students and they, they, they think it's cheesy. But you know
2: one, one I mean one once you understand everything that's going on there and everything that they in the context of everything and they're
1: impressed by Janet Lee's her face still and her eyes not moving like after she's dead that's impressive. they usually think that's a dummy.
2: Well there you go. Play dead is more impressive than the filmmaking process apparently.
0: All right, Todd number one. All right. Well, my number one, I didn't ha- actually have in my mind until I saw the trailer for the new version of this for the 100th time in the theater today. Jackass. So I'm go- and, and yes, and going for, like, for Adam's sake, because he works for Honey Bucket, I'm going with the porta potty bungee jumping scene in Jackass 3D. Yes. Which <laughs> is probably the most disgusting thing I have ever seen in my life. But I watched this movie twice in the theater, which is by far the best 3D movie I have ever seen. Because they play with things in 3D that I, like the, the way that no other movie ever would, and it's the perfect way what 3D was basically made for. But the way it's set up is like they have this like carnival level like bungee jumping thing uh, hooked up to a porta potty, and they have Stevo inside, all, only wearing goggles. And I think he's wearing goggles and a t-shirt, like that's like all he's wearing. And uh, and so what, what they do is they shoot him up in the air, and and then it just like bounces up and down, and they, there's like shit and everything just like splattering to the ground. And to the point, I mean, it's, it's disgusting enough outside that you see all the other guys like vomiting out, like around it, watching it happen. But Steve-O inside, you could tell he's never been through something that, that awful. And I mean, I don't, I, I mean, I watched this scene again, uh, again, uh, after I I watched uh, No Time to Die. And I was like, man, that's gotta be number one, because I've never seen something more creative. Like who comes up with that shit literally, but, and at the same time, like I'm like, man, those guys are awesome. Those guys are my heroes, especially Steve O, because after it's done, he gets up, but you could tell like, he's still got like wobbly legs because he just went through a bungee jumping thing and a porta potty. But and then he chases down the guy whose idea it was and he hits him like across the parking lot, which is pretty brilliant. Jack Wanderers,
2: and then we have Steve O.
0: Steve always number one. I could quote
2: that entire trailer. I yeah, saw it again twice to, last night.
1: It's turning twice. into the, the, the vantage point of the uh, this
0: decade. But you know that there's no. so much more. that there. I mean, it's like a, a minute and a half trailer and you see like, you know, eight scenes or something, but you know that there's at least like 50 more scenes that are just as funny as those ones.
2: Nothing makes me happier than knowing that they got pushed back and now I have to watch that trailer before every movie for the next three months now.
1: Hey, just as long as you get your concussions before age 50. And Knoxville's 49. So. Knoxville's 49. So
0: we're, so we're good.
1: So we're good. <laughs> Stevo is is my personal
0: hero, though, in life and otherwise. He's pretty good sure 2K5
2: player, too, right, Todd?
0: Yes. Well, I mean, yeah, he's better than Carmen Electra, but he's, he's, he's Why not exactly we... Jamie Kennedy. <laughs> Why didn't we
1: think of Steve O as a James Bond candidate? <laughs> I mean, can we just throw that out there? Like, uh, what was it? I, I didn't do any I I had him
0: as a Steve Buscemi character in Fargo, right? That wasn't that our our best casting. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that.
1: I could see. How that. come we haven't deep dived a Jackass movie? <laughs> Terry hasn't seen. Terry, do you watch Jackass? I haven't Have you...
2: watched a second of Jackass in my life.
1: Oh man, movie uh... or show? Well, when we reviewed Jackass Forever after, you know, in May of twenty twenty four, when it's, it's just Jackass released. Forever, uh, it, it is but now. Think...
2: But but when but when it. When yeah, it, it delays for another again. two years. I There's mean, no I mean Knoxville was forty-nine when it was filmed. <laughs> yeah, He's gonna be fifty-six yeah. by the time <laughs> it's released. <laughs> uh all right. Well let's let's uh give our five to one and then we'll talk honorable mentions and then get into our predictions. So Zach, five to one.
1: Uh number five was punch drunk love. Number four was a tie between breaking bad and the sopranos number three was my best friend's wedding geez this is a really Zach list number two is minority report and number one was 25th hour this was lazy these are just movies i love
0: Uh, that's kind of the way i I, I just went through like things i that i that i really liked i was like are there any uh, memorable bathroom scenes in it and that's what i i picked off of i was the opposite of terry really all right i got number five in a better world yeah that because that made my list
2: (laughs) <laughs> number four, Dexter. Number three, Liar, Liar. Number two, a tie between Casino Royale and Mission Impossible: Fallout, and number one, Psycho. Todd,
0: my number five was Psycho. Number four, Full Metal Jacket. Number three, Breaking Bad. Number two, Liar, Liar. And number one, with a bullet, Jackass 3D, the porta potty scene because that is a bathroom, technically.
2: It is. It is. I thought it's you were going to say the porta porta potty scene in. Uh... Uh, which mission impo- or not? Which police academy was it?
0: Oh yeah, they take him up on the crane or something. Yeah, they. <laughs> Who was in that? Was it Barbara? That was a that was the first. But the second one or first one. Like I, Barbara... I think
2: it, I thought it was uh uh um not the 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 sidekick to the moron. Um,
0: what Z Z sidekick?
2: No, 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 no. Like Harris's sidekick. What's his name? Oh. Why can't I think of his oh, one, name?
0: One of those, one of those two. Goons. No,
2: no, like the curly-haired guy that's in all of them.
0: Oh, that's uh, yeah, it's like some like nor. It's like it's not even like a. It's not a name. It's like I'll, a, a I'll find it. Okay, Zach,
2: Literally. give us your or uh, give us your honorable mentions.
1: <laughs> okay, uh, I I'm because amazed. These are gonna be fun. I'm amazed no one went with uh the uh the, the pill scene in almost famous uh Mona Lisa's in Manhattan. I- isn't that in a bathroom or is that more in the, the oh the, the okay the montage I had a different almost famous scene in mind, but yeah okay. Well or, or or the one where he's at the in the bathroom stall in his uh at his school and he's shorter than everyone. Is that what you were thinking? Nope. Nope, nope. that's no, not I what have, I was I thinking will, either. I have two others. Okay, in well mind. we'll wait to hear what <laughs> apparently what said, Cameron Crew right? has great bathroom scenes. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Uh uncut gems when Adam. Sandler sees that he weighs 200 pounds and kicks uh, Julia Fox out of the apartment. Fackler. Fackler, yes. I knew it was a... Yeah, it's not a name. Okay, go for it, Zach. I still not know what you're talking about. I'm amazed that Austin Powers didn't come up. Yeah, um, who does number two work for? Yeah, I have that. Yeah. on my little mentions. Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, the whole sequence at Bridges Restaurant, mostly yeah. in a bathroom. Um, Seinfeld has several great bathroom scenes, but probably the most famous one is Can You Spare a Square? <laughs> With uh, Jamie Gertz, the star of Twister and the part owner of the Atlanta Hawks. Um, The Aviator, when Leo gets an OCD freak out. The conversation with the bloody shit in the toilet. Uh, Any bathroom scene in Ally McBeal. Uh, Two great bathroom scenes in Kill Bill Volume 2. Bud's trailer, I think, counts as a bathroom. And uh, when uh, (laughs) the bride discovers she's pregnant, easy to use. Um, well, we got Soul Plane, which has a scene that's basically a ripoff of Austin Powers. Meet the parents sideways. Come on, when Miles is you know in the mirror at Steph's house in her bathroom, that's a great oh, scene. I'm it's, a, it's a small scene, but you know, uh, the entire movie of Flushed Away, even though I haven't seen it. Um, in Apollo 13, uh, the constellation Urine. I don't yes. know if that's actually a bathroom, but uh, I'm gonna put it in there. And then my it's last, it's a
2: relief tube.
1: Yeah. And my last pick was Terry's House when we recorded uh, our uh, our top 100 list. That was a really long movie that was set in a bathroom for me. So, yeah, that was fun.
2: Nice. Nice. And Adam. Yeah. All right. My honorable mention. uh, Let's see here. So Austin or not almost famous. I I had two that popped into my head and one was uh, him walking in on Penny Lane peeing.
0: Yes, um, that's uh, that was, was what I was
2: thinking of. That was one, and then the, the other flower. one was the flower. Was, yeah, yeah, and the other one was him. Uh, him in the bathtub on the phone with Ben Fong Torres. Mm. Or or was it with Lester Banks? It was one that of is, them. He was talking about the. He was in the
0: bathtub talking, talking to about Lester. This. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, with I, all I, his sticky notes I, everywhere. Yeah, the other one. I, well, no, that no, that was a different one. That he, yeah, he's with the sticky notes. He's that's still in the hotel in uh whatever that city is. Greenville or whatever the city that was so boring.
2: Yeah. Oh, So I think I might, I might be like thinking of the late. same scene. He's like it's sitting all the in the scene. tub,
0: and that's when they're like... That's when Penny walks in and sits on the toilet. They're like, your time has come or something. Yeah, and he's, yeah, yeah. He's like, oh. <laughs>
2: Alright. So I also had Austin Powers. Um, uh, a League of Their Own, it's a locker of room, course. but that was some good peeing. So... He pees in
0: the sink. There's no toilet in there. <laughs> No, it was a urinal. It was a urinal. It was a girl's bathroom. Girl's... It was a locker room at a baseball a stadium. Okay, it wasn't fine. gonna be. I swear, he pees in the sink though. It's um, not the whole thing.
2: I don't know. Uh, I've got a uh, Top Gun. Uh, after you've lost that love and feeling, he follows her to the to the bathroom because he needs carnal knowledge of a woman this time. Um... <laughs> And uh, and uh, your friend was amazing. So, How did we not uh,
0: deep dive out yet this year, Terry?
2: I don't know because Zach hasn't seen it, but we need to do oh. that. Uh, I've got
0: uh, I've Didn't got you two. Make him watch it.
2: No, I haven't made him watch it yet. I should do that, or maybe we just deep dive it next. That that might be a priority. Uh, we were kind of, I think we were saving it until Maverick comes out, but now I, that's like Jack coming ass. out when Jack come out, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then uh, I've got two friend scenes. Uh, one is when uh, Monica and Chandler are in the tub together, and oh, one of nice. and uh, Chandler has to keep uh, dunking underneath so that no one knows he's there. And the other one
0: is the leather pants. Yeah, I the mean, leather pants. I thought of that because of the yeah the the reunion thing. Like yeah, like that's what you know. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Leblanc Joyner? is he's all oh, like LeBlanc. he's all like showing his kids like yeah this this guy's a genius. Watch this scene, you know. <laughs> yeah. But it, then, Monica's the one going under the water, by the way. Not not. Oh, was it? Mo- I China. couldn't remember which but one went chicken? under the water. I could use some chicken.
2: Yeah, and then the last one I have is uh look who's talking too. Uh, there's some great bathroom scenes in there, especially <laughs> uh, the uh, the dream sequence where the bathroom like or the toilet comes to life. Oh
0: yeah, need your pee
2: pee. Your, give me! I, I need some freaking pee pee. Give me a pee pee, and and the because the little kid's potty training and he like freaks out. I, I remember being a that's, kid and that actually being terrifying.
0: I do too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I actually watched that in the last like year. Like that's that's a great pick. Yeah, yeah. And and then
2: and then when he actually does it, he's sitting on the pot. He's sitting on the toilet. Potty, potty, mommy, daddy, potty. Or or you gotta fight for your right to potty yeah there's some yes. great scenes in the bathroom in that potty training high training sequences always always fun stuff
0: all right todd uh so my like serious ones i hadn't missed were in the godfather the one where uh, michael is going to get the gun in the restaurant oh mm-hmm. yeah um in scarface i have like the the scene with the chainsaw which is just like insane great acting by uh Pacino uh in the raid two the the whole like prison fight scene in the in the bathroom is is just nuts and like insane choreography other ones that I like I probably could have said were like obviously Austin Powers who does number two work for um there's something about Mary when he gets a zipper stuck and which is just funny because like there's like there's like there's like like, a cop on a horse that eventually comes up near the window to see what's going on um I had almost famous. I had the uh, the friends leather pants scene. I had Pulp Fiction. Uh, the scene where um, um, uh, Mia Wallace ODs, but like uh, you know, uh, Vince Vincent's is in, in the in the bathroom yeah. and he's talking to himself, like you know, this
2: with of oneself.
0: Yeah, when he actually dies. Yeah, yeah. There, there's some there's some great bathroom scenes in that in that movie. And then the the Todd picks, of course, uh, in Boy Meets World. The scene where they, um, where Corey and Sean d- discover that uh, the the girls have a couch in the in the bathroom, and they just like to start to go in there and just like hang out because there's a, there's a couch and they'd rather be there than they would be in in class. And there's also a scene in the league where they have like I think it's either Kevin and Ruxin or Kevin and Andre are having a discussion about whether the bathroom is a good is a acceptable place to go to fart if you're at a party, like if you're at a party. You, like can you go in the bathroom? Because that smell would be normal in the bathroom. But I don't know. Th- there's like a whole discussion about that because one of them goes through it. I don't know. Do you remember what I'm talking about, Terry?
2: I don't remember that, but I, I do remember that uh uh Ruxin's Tinker Stinker time.
0: So Yes, yeah, so there's there is that, of course. Yeah. And my other one was uh, from Metal Gear Solid, the the scene. Oh where... the Darpa Chief. Not the Darpa Chief. I don't know. Oh. That's not even a I don't know if that's a it bathroom. a bathroom.
2: Like or or sort of, is it Meryl, when he when he, he meets Meryl?
0: Yeah, when, when Meryl and Snake meet in the bathroom on a floor B1 of the nuclear warhead storage building, and she sort of gives him, or like, he, she's like dressed as like a, some sort of like a, I don't know, <laughs> like a, one of the robots or something, and then he like follows her in there because he's like, I recognize that ass or something. And then he like follows her in there, and then she takes, and then she like explains who she is or something. That's a great scene, but I couldn't put it on there because I don't know. That seems a little cheap for this list, but I mean, at the same time, I did have Jackass number one, so.
2: I love I that you knew the exact floor and well, everything.
0: You know how many times I've played that game, Tyler. I know, I know. As many times as I've seen Sideways. Wait, as really. soon
2: as you said video game, I was like, oh, so we can pick Metal Gear? Nice. And then I it. I, I, to... couldn't,
0: I couldn't come up with anything from uh, Grand Theft Auto Vice City.
2: Yeah, I don't think you actually go into any bathrooms in that one. Okay, time to predict Adam's list. I think I got a pretty good list here. We'll see how it goes. Zach, you're first.
1: All right, I'm going to go with uh, number five, There's Something About Mary. Number four, Home Alone. Number three, Dumb and Dumber. Number two, The Shining. And number one, Psycho. Which scene in The Shining? Uh, the scene with uh, the, the 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 you know uh, Jack Nicholson's in there, and you got the the guy and that does the kind of one eighty cut in their conversation. Oh, like the the bartender dude? Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah, there's several scenes you can go with there. All right, uh, here I've got uh, number five. Um, I can't remember if it's Lethal Weapon or Lethal Weapon Two, but the scene with the bomb on the toilet.
0: Yeah. Um that that's, one. It's probably the second one.
2: I think it's the second one. Uh number 4, one floor over the cuckoo's nest chief's escape. Um number 3, the shining. I was thinking of Here's Johnny. Mm-hmm. Uh number 2, the zipper scene and there's something about Mary number 1 psycho. I
0: right, number 5, the motel bathroom fight scene in Drive. <clears throat> number 4, I have Mr. Orange and the cops. Uh, with and the dog in Reservoir Dogs. Number three, I have the shower scene in Psycho. Number two, the ending of American History X. And number one, here's Johnny in The Shining.
2: All right. Here we go. Adam's List. Honorable mention. He's got a long list of honorable mentions. Uh, Mission Impossible Fallout The Bathroom Brawl. Nice. Nice. Uh, liar Liar. Jim Carrey beating himself up. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, Goldeneye, chemical weapons facility, video game choice. Oh. Okay. Uh, Game of Thrones, Tyrion kills his dad on the toilet. Uh, Yeah, that's a good call. Uh, It Chapter 2, the bloodiest bathroom scene in movie history. Uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy drags Heather Langenkamp to hell. (laughs) Um... Sounds right. Yeah. Jackass 3D, Steve O gets slingshotted in here oh, <laughs> inside wow. a porta potty.
1: <laughs> I can't believe he had that on there, too.
2: Uh, Austin Powers, how about a courtesy flush over there? Okay. Um, uh, wedding crashers, Isla Fisher goes crazy on Vince Vaughn. All right, here's his actual list. Number five, the godfather, Michael Corleone excuses himself to go to the bathroom to grab a revolver in the bathroom behind the toilet tank. Um Number four, there's something about Mary. Is it the Frank or the Beans? (laughs) Number three, Lethal Weapon Two, Danny Glover stuck on the toilet. Number one or number two, the shining. Here's Johnny. And number one, Psycho, the infamous shower scene. I got four.
0: Yeah, I got two. I bet he's gonna be upset that
1: he forgot American History X. Yeah. Well, Terry's on a roll two to the last three.
2: I know, I know. I got a point. Like, that's like that's like an undisputed point right there. The
1: Lethal Weapon 2 was pretty impressive. That was the, that was the
2: last minute add on. Like, that was my number six. And it was my last minute add on when I remembered he hadn't seen 25th Hour.
0: <laughs> you had the wrong movie.
2: I <laughs> knew it was Edward Norton, though. It started with an S.
0: I'm at 35 and a half. Zach is at 22. And Terry climbs into. Still third place with 18, 19, 19,
2: 19. There's hope. All right. Trivia segment time. Are you ready?
1: Well, let's hope so. Oh, I forgot about this. John Void is a slap in the face.
0: This is going downhill quick. Trivia. Todd and I had
2: to watch some stuff because Zach won and then Zach's going to host trivia. Uh, Todd, you go first.
0: All right. I had to watch the 2002 Peter Kerr movie called The Dangerous Lives of Alter Boys, which is this movie. It's set in the 1970s at a Catholic boarding school. And you have the uh, like Francis and Tim are these young kids played by Emile Hirsch and Kieran Culkin. They're kind of rebellious. Uh, Jodie Foster is their nemesis. She's Sister Assumpta. Jenna Malone is like the love interest. Uh, and uh, Vincent D'Onofrio is Father Casey. The sister kind of pisses them off. So they pull this like really pretty kind of serious and deranged uh, prank on her and things really start to unravel and it gets really dark. Um, It's kind of unexpected, the tone of this movie, honestly, with the title of it, I was not expecting it to be like this. It's kind of comedic. It's more like Home Alone than it is like Sleepers or whatever I was expecting it to be. So, I mean, I, I essentially it's like Stand By Me directed by Kevin Smith. Because there's a lot of, like, cool. com- comic strip animations and stuff that, like, is totally a Kevin, Kevin Smith kind of thing. But it, it's kind of weird. But um, I, I think uh, Kieran Culkin and Emile Harris should actually reunite because they, they are awesome together in this. And, like, I, I think Culkin probably could have played Eli in The Girl Next Door. Uh, but, I mean, they definitely need to do something again now. Uh, Jodie Foster is kind of overdone. Jenna Malone has a really fantastic monologue that gets really sad and disturbing. But uh, Kieran Culkin is obviously the best Culkin. He's the best part of this movie. There's some pretty weird twists and stuff that happen near the end. It's all fun and games, and then pretty devastating and bizarre. I, I mean, it's hard to look away from. It, it feels like a movie that was uh, on Project Greenlight or something. It's very Shaker Heights-ish, but I mean, I think it's it, it has a lot of depth to it. Uh, otherwise, I mean, I mean, I kind of I think it's not great, but it's totally solid. I kind of like it. It's three star movie.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen it in a long time. I saw it in a theater when it came out. I just thought it was inexcusable that Todd, as an Emil Hirsch fan, had not seen it. I was actually, I signed it to, to Todd because I just wanted to know if it was good or not, because maybe it hasn't aged well. But I'm glad to hear it has aged well. I do remember some of the dark twists that it takes. And I remember agreeing with Ebert, who actually gave this movie a thumbs down, in part because of the twists that it takes. And it just is sort of unnecessarily serious for a movie like this. But uh, I remember digging it when I was, you know, 15 years old. I thought it was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I think I saw you gave it three stars as well. I mean,
1: whenever you wrote that. <laughs>
0: whenever you put that.
1: Yeah, it was one of the rare times I disagreed with Ebert when I was a teenager. Ebert also didn't like that it was a negative portrayal. He felt it was a negative portrayal of the Catholic Church. And that nuns mm-hmm. would actually be more, um, uh, I guess, sympathetic to comic books. And would be more likely to like allow them in classrooms and things like that. Which I feel like is Roger's sort of personal take on it, rather than responding to the movie, but as he was wont to do. Solid movie. Todd McFarlane did the animations, I believe.
0: Yeah, I saw that one of the Pixar people was involved in the movie, too. Meg, uh, whatever, one of the writers on Inside Out. I don't know. Hmm. Meg Laferve? Lef- Lef- is that her name?
1: I have no clue who you're they talking know. about. I don't know. We'll we'll trust you.
2: You'll have okay. to look it up while I'm talking. All right. Uh, the movie I had to watch. Uh, we had to we had to punt and go to a backup choice because the initial choice we thought was free somewhere and then it wasn't and then it wasn't available at the library. So we got a different one. And I was I watched from 2001 Hearts in Atlantis. Uh, directed by Scott Hicks, based on a Stephen King book. Uh, this movie stars Anthony Hopkins hope davis david morse and a very very young anton yelchin and it uh tells a story of a young boy growing up it's kind of a theme i think for for a typical zach movie is uh nostalgia and uh, a person looking back on their childhood and narrating what happened so uh but David Morris. realizing
1: Morse. that realizing the nostalgia was not as good as they remembered it and that there, there were th- bad things that also happen to break up the nostalgia. Yes. Okay. Yes. I mean, you've got, clear.
2: you got this, you got man in the moon. I mean, you, they're, they're all very similar in, in kind of their, at least the, the setup. So David Morris plays adult Bobby Garfield, and he's looking back and narrating the life of young Bobby Garfield, who's Anton Yelchin who has uh, probably what you would say is the not a good nominee for Worst Mother of All Time, played by Hope Davis, uh, and they live in a house, and to make some extra money, they rent a room upstairs, and that room is rented to Ted Brodigan, played by Anthony Hopkins, who is this mysterious old man who seems to be able to tell the future. And he befriends young Bobby, Bobby O. And uh, and it's a story of their friendship and also Bobby's friendship with his three friends, Carol and uh, Sully. And we kind of get get the relationship between the three of them, his relationship with uh, with Ted and and how he becomes more of a of a parental figure to him uh, throughout this summer than his mother ever was. The father is dead and out of the picture. Zach when he sent it to me he said this is a Terry movie and oh it is it it is uh I'm giving it three stars it's a really it's a really solid movie it's a it was really interesting to watch uh I, I could see it being a very rewatchable movie too uh I could easily go back and watch more watch more of this movie but uh yeah solid pick uh really good performances I Again, it just makes me sad that we didn't get more from Anton Yelchin because even at that age, you could tell there was something there. And um, mystical, mysterious old man in Anthony Hopkins, I mean, that just kind of defines his career, doesn't it? So uh, he's doing his thing. Uh, I didn't realize just how much David Morse and Anton Yelchin actually looked alike until you see that he's playing a young David Morse. And then you're like, oh, I could totally see the resemblance
1: there. Uh, So, yeah resource Good pick. yeah I, I really love this movie if you think about it it has the exact same plot as et except instead of an alien it's anthony hopkins <laughs> think about that for a second and you'll realize i can that see that's, it that's, that's i can see true. it um yeah i mean i love this movie because uh it's like it's a mixture of like nostalgia it definitely has some funny moments but there's some very serious overtones to it as well and i think mm-hmm. and, and then and then some like just you know disturbing sort of like government conspiracy yeah. sort of stuff i think it it, it, it Places itself perfectly in like the late 50s, early 60s in that kind of suburban United States kind of sleepy New England vibe. The book is really good, too. It's only the the book by Stephen King is like 800 pages long. And the movie is only the first 200 pages of the book. So oh, wow. the book actually does a lot more interesting things with the characters. It kind of moves around uh, from the t- timeline shift a little bit. But I kind of love the movie. I think there's a great monologue he gives about uh, Bronco Nagurski. Um, yes. He has a great a uh, line about uh, having you know, the freedom of having a library card, how it's the greatest gift uh, imaginable. I think it's a really awesome movie, and I like Scott Hicks. I know Todd shits on him, but I like his films, and I like his long, flowing hair, too. More, More Scott Hicks movies.
2: I may have to check out the book, and when I say I'm going to check out the book, I'm going to suggest that my wife read it and tell me what it's about. It's a, that's it's eight hundred pages. Out books.
1: Have fun reading it, but uh, it's it's a good read.
2: My wife devours books; it takes me months to get through one. So, I'll tell I'll tell her to read it.
1: All right, trivia time. What are we doing, Zach? Okay, so uh, No Time to Die is, uh, I tried to not emphasize this too much, but it was 163 minutes long. we should point that out. So, uh, your job is going to be: uh, I'm going to read you a list of movies, and you have to tell me whether these movies were longer, shorter, or the exact same running length as No Time to Die, <laughs> 163 minutes. I'll repeat that uh, again. So, uh, if you you know you can write down something if you want, or you don't have to. Are we gonna write down but, or just say it? Yeah. Why, why don't you write it down? Let's let's uh, yeah. let, let let's let's make this a more visual exercise. Uh, over
2: because... under or same
1: yeah over under or same i like it okay here we go we're gonna start with pirates of the caribbean at world's end was no time to die longer shorter or the same length so when you say under Terry, under mean under under think... 163 okay so you think pirates of the caribbean was under And Todd thinks it was the same. And both of you are wrong. It was over. It is 169 minutes. Glad I didn't have to see that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, me neither. Okay, I only saw the first one.
1: Me too. It was also pretty long. I don't think quite that long, though. Uh, Next movie is a movie we've mentioned on this podcast today. At least we mentioned the director, Denny Villeneuve. And the movie is Blade Runner 2049. A movie that I think we all liked. I didn't see it. Oh, well, you're missing out another great on a day performance as well was it over under or the same both of you say under the correct answer is over by one minute 164 minutes well that movie didn't feel that long either no that movie actually did fly by um you todd you didn't feel like the end the, the climactic uh set piece at the end of no time to die was right out of blade runner 2049 like no was, he said
0: no. it was right out of austin powers no it was right out, i mean no I mean, the the absolute end was out of the rock i just, I just thought oh, well that's it true out I'm, of not the talking about,
1: <laughs> I'm not talking about that i'm talking about remy malik's uh sort of you know the, the location that was right out of blade runner 2049 no that's you great. know
0: that, that's totally austin
1: powers but yeah i mean i could see a little bit of blade runner in there okay you guys are not even on the board yet this is depressing uh next movie is amadeus not the director's cut just the theatrical cut.
2: I know how long the director's cut is. <laughs> I know exactly how long the director's cut it's is. safe
1: to say it's that's, that's over, but what is the theatrical cut? Over, under, or the same? Todd says the same. Terry says the same. It's under. 160 minutes.
2: The director's cut is 180. It is three hours exactly.
1: Good to know. All right, next movie, Interstellar are we going are we going
2: what it was or what it felt like (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna say they're one and the same
1: (laughs) terry says over i was gonna do the same thing over you both are on the board it was 169 minutes although it did feel a lot longer (laughs) okay the last emperor again theatrical cut not director's cut Another Best Picture winner from the 80s. Both of you say over. It was exactly the same length. 163 oh, minutes come long. On. Okay, another great Kubrick movie with a bathroom scene. Eyes Wide Shut. Another movie that does feel pretty uh-huh. long upon rewatching it. But was it longer than 163 minutes? Terry says under. I. I, I don't know. Todd says over. It was 159 minutes. Terry gets the point.
2: Don't you forget about me.
1: The Last Temptation of Christ. The Scorsese Epic. Terry's going over. Todd says under. It was exactly the same. 163 (laughs) minutes. Really? I thought that movie was like two hours and 10 minutes. All right. We have three questions left terry has a commanding 2-1 lead (laughs) it's impressive that you're missing this many you would think mathematically you the probability is you would get more of you'd think so uh robert altman's nashville classic 70s movie big cast big length terry's going under todd's going over terry gets the point it is 160 minutes Next movie, a Todd favorite, American Honey. Oh, a great movie, a lengthy movie. That did def- definitely did not feel as long as its running length. Terry says the same. Todd says under. Terry gets the point. It is exactly the I same. I thought it was 162 minutes. 162. Uh, I have it as 163. I'll double-check real fast. Not that that really can help. Yeah, it says on IMDb, two hours and 43 minutes. All right. And then the last question was, the shortest game that the Seattle Mariners played this year, over, under, or the same? (laughs) Two hours uh, and 43 minutes. Shortest game. Wait. doesn't matter. You
2: have a two. I know. I want to get it right.
1: You have a two-run lead. Terry he says under. Home. Todd says the same. Terry gets the point.
2: There was like a 2 and It was like under like two thirty-eight that they won. They played
1: actually on uh well oh I should have clarified full-length game not a double Oh okay yeah sure. But even so, they on Thursday, uh, August twelfth, they they hosted the Rangers and that game was two hours and eight minutes, so substantially under. Woo! And that was a nine inning game. So with a score of five to one, Terry wins trivia. Hey, another double victory for Terry today.
2: Hey, hey,
1: hey. Great. We got to talk about more musicals in two
0: weeks.
2: (laughs) Exactly. All right. Well, let's wrap this up. Quote of the day time.
0: Strawberries. Not the cheese. Womack. With a little sex in it. Quote of the day.
2: I get to go first. Uh, so I've got I've got two quotes here. Um, the first one, uh, I saw this movie called Liar Liar. And the message of that was to not lie.
0: That was a smart smart, smart
2: movie <laughs> as one of them, and then the other one is is what is the the result of the bathroom scene in Liar Liar. And he goes back into the courtroom and the judge says, who did this to you? And he says, a madman, your honor, a desperate fool at the end of his pitiful rope. What did he look like? Yeah, about six to 180 pounds, big teeth, kind of gangly.
0: Have the not deputy lying. search the building. <laughs> can, unless you can continue.
2: Yes, I
0: can. Commendable, Mr. Reed.
1: <laughs> we know that movie way too well. All right, Zach, you're next. All right, well, I was going to go with the uh, FU montage from 25th Hour, but Terry's Mm -hmm. editing the podcast, so I'll I'll make it a little easier on on him. Um, I was just going to go with the quote from Ted Brodigan, who said to young Bobby O, it will be the kiss by which all others in your life will be judged and found wanting. Great line, kind of a throwaway line, but it actually plays a significant role in that movie. Just a lot of really good dialogue. I I, kind of want to rewatch it after Terry's review. It's
2: on HBO Max. All right, Todd.
0: Uh, so, I don't know. I heard a, a quote in the Bond movie that we watched today. I don't know. if I, don't, I think it was Bond. either Bond or Emma. I can't remember. But, he, but one of them said, It appears intelligence is no longer central. And that <laughs> describes this podcast. <laughs>
2: well played. Well played. And with that, we're going to wrap up this podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening episode 147 make sure you subscribe rate review we'll be back at you next week with a deep dive of another great film until then have fun watching movies and we'll catch you on the flip side
0: despite your crass behavior i'm glad we were able to do this together